Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. up and welcome back to bar down talking hockey episode number 41 presented by the barroom network my name is Vinny parisi and i just beat covid for not once the second time and this right here this is frankie mueller and he might have the coolest seattle kraken hat that i've ever seen and this right here this is joey parisi and somehow he escapes everything with that stupid smile on his face frank how you doing i'm doing great thanks for the, the shout out on the hat i love this hat I think I think everyone's wearing sick hats. Ben, what hat you got on today? Um, I'm rocking the Joey Does Dessert hat. You know, for those who don't know, Joey Parisi, he has his cheesecake business, Joey Does Dessert. It is the best cheesecake on planet Earth. And I got to tell you guys, I haven't had a slice of it in a really long time, and I'm kind of pissed off about it. So, Joe, that's your fault. It's definitely not my fault. I mean, everyone else has had a slice, so I, I'm going to have to put that one on you. How do you I sound, by the way? flavors? Uh, not right now, not at the moment. But how do I sound, by the way? See, I got some new, uh, new AirPods flowing here. So. Ooh. Yeah, but I, I'm still using the mic, so I think I have it set up properly. So you're still hearing the mic, but I hear you guys in here, so it's different. I sound different to myself. It sounds so great to me. Joey's just a copycat. I haven't opened mine yet, but he's just a copycat. Vinny still likes wires. For the computer, yeah. Um, I gotta ask you guys. We're going to get into New Jersey Devils hockey in a minute here with a very special guest. saw a but great it, Devils game recently. It pisses me off that yesterday was National Spaghetti Day. And the Spaghetti Man got credit with the game-winning goal against my New Jersey Devils. So screw you, Joe. But really quick, I got to get your thoughts. Frank, you like spaghetti? I love spaghetti. I just had some about a week ago. Ooh. Joe? Yeah, spaghetti? spaghetti's my favorite type of noodle, favorite type of pasta. See, that's banana lands. It's not banana lands. Spaghetti, spaghetti's very good. I eat it, though. Me too. Spaghetti's very good. weird. What do you think? Like I'm doing something wrong because everybody's got the spoon with the fork, and I'm just sitting there. Frankie's, just Frankie's like, cutting it like deep dish pizza. And, and then I'll stick the it in, and, and I'm like, oh, I got too much, and I got to spit it out. So now I look like the weirdo who's just spitting out pasta at the table. Yeah. No, you, because I roll it up on the spoon, too, whether that's Italian or not. I don't know. I've heard, I've heard it. It's not yeah. Italian to do that, but I do. I get the biggest spoon possible, and I always roll it up. And if you commit to too much, and you just got this big roll of pot, you got to just go for it, Frank. There's no spitting pasta. Spaghetti's good, but it's like the 19th best noodle. I can probably rip off 18 noodles that I like better. But we're getting off topic. I don't want to go too far into this. We can talk about spaghetti later. 
we have a very special guest today. It's somebody who's a very good friend of mine. He is one of my absolute dearest friends. He's a true mentor. And of course, I'm talking about Nick Villano of the Pucks and Pitchforks blog. Nick, welcome to the show, you hairy, hairy man. What's up, guys? By the way, angel hair is the elite pasta, and it gets no love, and y'all are dumb for not bringing it up. I, I like angel Ooh, hair pasta. A lot, dude, he, came, he came to the, the Italian came party, and he's yeah. throwing hands. Let's he's see. got the look, last name Villano, though. So look he at his last name. Like, yeah. Come on, oh, yeah. I'm ready. Oh, you're ready to throw punches. Joe, you got you got a rebuttal for uh, Nick Villano, other than your Bruins love and his devil's love. Other than that, yell at him about some pasta. Go at it. Well, well, first of all, I love that he came in with the angel hair because I actually haven't had angel hair in such a long time. I know our dad likes it. I think our dad likes it. I don't know, though. But I, real quick, I just love that the diversity of NHL teams we have on the screen right now. Vinny, with the Minnesota Wild, I think that was perfect to throw on because obviously you could have threw something devils on, but you chose the Minnesota Wild because you're going to get your heart broken twice in, in the same week tomorrow night. So, and Frank, that cracking hat. So, we just got a nice, diverse screen here. I love it. I just had to throw that out there. I hope so the your Bruins team beat, beat your team beat a Devils team that literally I could have made last night because everybody's <laughs> injured or has COVID. So, congratulations. And I'm rooting, I'm rooting for the Bruins tomorrow. Like, what? I don't he care if the, the wild. He threw, the, he threw the shirt on for a reason. Yeah, because we're going we're gonna to we're gonna go over the Winter Classic. That's why. We literally that to needed uh, Mackenzie Blackwood to fall into a black hole for, for you to beat oh. this Devils team. Oh, I have plenty of questions about Blackwood to you Devils fans, because like, I don't know what's going on with that guy. Oh, but yeah. also, uh, there's also another thing I want to bring up. We'll, we'll get to that later when we talk about the injuries on that team. But, yeah. All right. So, let, let's get Nick going with some Devils talk, and then we'll make fun of him for his pasta takes and all that kind of stuff. I didn't wear a Devil shirt on purpose. Because I didn't want it to be like just devils completely dominated because I knew Nick would show up with that background. And I love every second of it. Frankie's actually not even a Kraken fan. So two of the four guys here are not wearing I don't their favorite the teams. I didn't say you hate them. Well, but... I'm a fan of them, I would say. He said I'm not a fan of them. All right. You know what I mean. Your you number know, one favorite team. You know, I actually had a couple options there. So I could have either thrown on. I, I just got this shirt. So I thought this shirt was appropriate. I love this shirt. Um, I could have even thrown on my devil shirt, which I have right over there. I was going to put it on just to be a dick. I decided not to. Or, Frank, you're going to like this. I had, I was choosing between this shirt, my devil shirt, or my Colorado Avalanche shirt. And I, I just went with the peaceful Bruins shirt. I don't want to Is make that a no new enemies. shirt? I've never seen that before. Yeah, this is a new shirt. Uh, I like it. We yeah, speak cool. for, oh, okay. Yeah, I believe every team came out with a line of these. And so, very cool. appropriate. So, Nick. It sounds like Nico Heeshear is going to be okay. He yeah. practiced today. He didn't break his foot, as every doctor on Twitter reported last night. What does that mean for the Devils to have him back that quickly and be there tomorrow night against the Columbus Blue Jackets? Now, before I get into that, I do want to bring up, like, maybe we don't listen to the Twitter newsbreakers who have no reporting experience and have never done anything like that in their life. Listen, I get it. If you want to elaborate on what happened with that too, so Frankie and Joey could kind of catch the listen, drift listen. in the audience as well, go for There's it. a couple guys in Devil, New Jersey Devil's Twitter who have broken a couple things and gotten one or two things right. Listen, And credit to them for that. Credit to them for that, but they keep trying afterwards and they've gotten it wrong multiple times. We keep listening to them. Well, we as in, you know, the group I, as a whole. I get things in my mentions, in my DMs, in a lot of things, a lot. Um, 
I am not in the news breaking business because mostly I don't know who most of these people are, but they've tried to give me information. They tried to give me this information and I just, I don't, A, I don't want to be a newsbreaker, but B, a lot of it, I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from. Um, and uh, these people say, oh, great. Like, I know about Nico Heischer. I know about this guy. I know about that guy. And they just go and <laughs> throw it out there. And then we act like that's the truth. Um, sometimes they're right. The Jonathan Bernier thing ended up being right. He is out for the season. He does have a hip injury. We eventually found that out. But Nico Heischer didn't break his foot. Um, and, you know, it's all not doom and gloom. He has a bruise. Um, you know, I, I saw that you put that out there and I trust you because you don't usually just throw things out there without, you know, actually feeling comfortable doing so. Um, Chico Resch, our um, um, commentary guy on the radio side, he put it out there during the broadcast. That's another guy we trust. He's a good friend of our podcast, the Let's Go Devils podcast. So once that happened, I kind of figured that, great, like this is very... Everybody just jumped the gun. The sky was falling. The Dougie Hamilton thing stinks. Like, it stinks that he broke his jaw. Um, but we saw with Heischer last year that it's it's at least a – it's what I call a clean injury. Like, you, you're not going to – he has to wear a cage. But besides that, you're not going to have to worry about him re-injuring his jaw. You know, it's not like a knee injury, a back injury, a shoulder injury, something like that. So, you know, that's the good news. Um, getting Nico Heischer back is especially good right now because he's on a – tear you know he, he scored the game-winning goal against the capitals a team we haven't beat for nine in a row it was almost two full calendar years since we beat the capitals he's a guy who is he has um four points in the three games since we returned from the break he's a point in every single game for the past five he's somebody who's just he's finally getting the goal scoring that he should have gotten earlier in the season he just he honestly and like people hate this but he had bad luck he was shooting at like at one point he was shooting like two percent. Yeah, it got um, up to six. Like, yeah, he got it up to six by the break. Now he's up to ten. So, which is, you know, I would like it around twelve to fifteen, but if he's around ten, uh, you know, it's it's not going to be a terrible season for Heischer uh, points wise. Um, getting him back in the lineup, and you kind of saw it uh, last night. Um, he, the lineup is a little disjointed without Heisha. You know, and you lost a lot. You lost you also lost Igor Sharangovich and Pavel Zaka, and you still didn't have Jimmy VC. Um, there's a couple guys still out of the lineup too, and VC's back today too. So you're almost you're close to a full lineup once the COVID guys come back. But you know, ha- y- y- when you have to put Jesper Boquist at a center position, you really lose the depth that is that center position. Then you have to put um, Michael McLeod's line as a third line, which is definitely not what you want. He's not scoring at the rate he was because Lindy Ruff and Elaine Nasruddin like to use him as um, like an old school checking line, you know, and sometimes that leads to breakaways because they're, they're, you know, McLeod's fast and, and, and you saw it with Bastion uh, last night, he's very cagey and opportunistic. But besides that, that's not, um, that, that's not what you want. You don't want them to be your third line. You really don't want them playing more than 11 minutes a night. So l- losing Heischer really like brings down the center depth, which really takes o- up the overall depth of the uh, the lines in general. So getting him back is huge. 
Yeah, and you mentioned like losing Dougie Hamilton as well. You, he broke his jaw taking a puck. And I don't know, I'm sure you guys had to hold your breath a couple times yesterday because uh, the Bruins announcer, Jack Edwards, he referred to the devil's face as puck magnets because two or three players yesterday ended up taking pucks up high. And I was like, what is happening with this team? But speaking of Dougie, what what actually, uh, what has he brought to the uh, New Jersey Devils this year? And how is it affecting this team without him out of the lineup? So this is... This is a loaded question, I, I guess, because mm-hmm. for the first half of the season, I thought Dougie Hamilton was a legit Vezina Trophy candidate defenseman. He was such a superstar, and he was doing things on such a uh, a high level. Um, I was, I was, I was honestly, I, I had high hopes, and I was surprised. Um, I, I, I looked at it, and I was like, I don't know, like I, we really got something here. Like this is a superstar. Um, over the past month, um, he's been a little up and down. A little. Like, just comparatively. Like, he hasn't been bad by any means. He's he's well well above an average defenseman. He's a very, very, very good defenseman, even the past month. He looked a little weird when Brian Graves was out. Um, I, I believe he was out with COVID. It's so hard to keep track of who was out with what at this point. But uh, Graves was out for a couple weeks, and... He they had to put him with Kevin Ball and Ty Smith, and like they were just trying to figure out who to put him with. And we've seen Ty Smith has just been not good this year. So he he I don't want uh, Hamilton to have to be with a guy who makes mistakes because Hamilton's main thing is being aggressive, and his aggressiveness is what leads to goals and assists. And when he's with somebody like Kevin Ball and Ty Smith, who are both prone to you know, young defenseman mistakes, um, then he's not going to be aggressive and his numbers are going to plummet. And then as a result, the, the weird thing is that even when Graves is back, now Lindy Ruff and Lane Nazardine are playing the Damon Severson, you know, Siegenthaler line as the number one line, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think those that's a great second line and Siegenthaler has been, you know, more than I expect this year, but I want Hamilton and Graves to be my first line, my 22 to 23 minute a night line. I don't want that from Severson because Severson is also, he's solid, but he's also prone to a mistake. And that mistake's going to cost you eventually. And like, sometimes it's an own goal. Sometimes it's just passing it to the wrong team. Like he's, he's just prone to sometimes the massive mistake. So Gotta take the good with the bad with him. <laughs> yeah. And I listen, I love Severson. I love Severson. I've talked to a lot of people in national media who don't, you know, who look at the numbers intently and they're in love with Severson. So I try to look at, because I was myself kind of a little uh, overcritical of Severson for a while. And then I started to kind of take a different look at it. And when you, you know, when 19 out of your 20 shifts are solid, you know, sure the one shift went bad, but and it went pretty, pretty bad, bad. Um, but if you're solid for the other 19 shifts, like that's really all you can ask for. So, but back to Dougie, I, I, I think that they need to use them more now. I think that they, they should lean on that Hamilton Graves line. Um, well, when Hamilton comes back, obviously they should lean on that Hamilton Graves line and we'll see where they are in the standings at that point. Um, I, I don't know where they are. We'll see tonight, tonight or tomorrow, tomorrow night, whenever we play Columbus. Um, tomorrow. That'll be a, a measuring stick of um, where they really are. 
Boston, I think, is has had a weird season, but I think that they're going to get a wild card spot almost definitely. I think they can probably even get more points and, and jump into the race for the uh, Atlantic Division top three. But, you know, the Devils need to beat Columbus. You know, they need to win the next two to really show that, hey, we're not dead. If they, if they lose one of the next two, it'll be hard to make the argument. If they lose both of the next two, you know, let's, let's start, let's start making a coffin out here. It's over. Yeah. And you, um, a lot of that is due to Mackenzie Blackwood because he's hasn't been the best lately. Um, and I saw you wrote an article talking about Blackwood. That's one of your latest articles. Um, so what's going on with him? What do you need to see from him? Why is he so bad all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean, by every metric, he's bad. His save percentage is under 900. Um, he, his goals against average is over three. So the traditional stats, he's bad. His goal saves above average is like 56th in the league. Um, his All of his advanced stats look terrible. He, uh, It was funny um, because uh, it, just by coincidence, uh, I was looking at his comparisons to other goalies yesterday while I was writing that article. And he has the same amount of goals allowed as Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky has played 400 more minutes than him. So, you know, and then when you kind of dig deeper into it, uh, I'm looking at the high danger save percentage. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky is 850, which you expect from a superstar goalie. Like, that's great. On the high danger chance, it's up 850. Like, I don't expect that from Blackwood. But he's saving... Uh, 77% of his high danger chances against. And that's awful. Like that's one, you know, it, it, there's a lot of the, the, that skews, but he's definitely in the bottom half of the league when considering stars and backups. Um, he's not good this year. I think it has a lot to do with he's had a neck injury. The heel injury is apparently still bothering from the preseason. Um, it, it, it's, it's definitely causing some issues. But when you look at the three goals that were really bad that he let up against the Bruins last night, they're just mental mistakes. They're bad positioning. And I think that the heel and his inability, because, you know, Blackwood's hope and the hope that Blackwood could be a, a, an NHL great was on his athleticism. And if he's losing that with his heel, it's going to get in his head. And it's clearly in his head. He passed the puck to the other team against Washington with the game on the line. Like, he literally blew the game. Like, I've seen goalies blow the game by, you know, making a mistake. And But he literally passed the puck to the other team, and then they scored. Uh, you know, so – and then against the Bruins, you know, that first goal, a lot of people were mad at – I think it was Holtz who, who turned the puck over. But they, they really covered the 2-1-1 on well. And then um, – Joey, oh, who, I, I, the guy who scored it was the, Curtis Lazar. Curtis Lazar. Lazar, yeah, Lazar just threw the puck at Blackwood, hoping for a rebound, and it just went in his five hole. Yeah, and you I could actually, tell the Bruins were going to school on that too. There were many times after that point where they started just taking shots from random spots. Like oddly enough, Taylor Hall like really went to school on it, and there was the one goal that was scored. Uh, Joe, help me out. Uh, it wasn't. Scored. It was, it was Trent Frederick. Frederick from the yeah. side of the net like that. Like that's just if the Lazar's goals never scored, I'm not sure that the um, for Trent Frederick goal ever happens. Well, from my perspective, watching that game and watching Blackwood's performance, 
he I felt, thought he actually until that Trent Frederick goal, I thought he kind of bounced back from that uh, Curtis Lazar goal. Like there was really not much he could do about the Oscar Steen goal where it was sitting on top of the net and he popped yeah. it up. Like I didn't even know how they were going to rule it. I've never seen a goal scored in that way where it's popped up like Did that. you hear the rule? No, I, I didn't. They didn't really cover it. On if the Ness and if the puck sits on top of the net for three seconds, the play is dead. It was on the net for one point five seconds. Yeah, that's crazy. And then, <laughs> and then Jack and what's I up? Know the Devils broadcast brought that up, but I've seen a different rule. And what, what's it, the one you saw? The one I saw is that if it's if it's in any netting of the of the goal, the ref will stop the play. There's no timetable on it. Um, but it's just up to the ref to stop the play. So here's the thing about the NHL rulebook. There's a lot of rules in there, and a lot of the rules cancel each other out, and I didn't notice it. <laughs> and that's what I've noticed. So you'll get people who will bring up one rule. Like, you'll see Elliot Friedman literally bring up a rule and be like, oh, this is why this was ruled. And then you'll hear the broadcast who found another rule who that's in a different page, in a different section of the rulebook, it says the exact opposite. So, <laughs> I don't trust the NHL rule book as much as I trust the NHL reps. But that's that's just me. It was, you know, like, ha- that's a dangerous play. Look at this. You're swinging yeah, your stick yeah. guy's head. Blackwood yeah. and Mercer are in danger of taking yeah. one to either the chest or the head in that situation. I would even say Graves is a little bit in danger there with all those people swatting the stick. How is that not considered a high stick? No, here's here's why it's not considered <laughs> a high stick. And this was brought to my attention by Jack Edwards himself. It's impossible for it to be a high stick if his stick is in the net. Yeah, that means it's it impossible. You can't get the stick above the crossbar if it's in the net. That makes yeah, sense. but at the same time, the puck has to be above the crossbar. If it's in the net, yeah, that, but that's he, a good counter argument. That's but a good he, he didn't make contact with the puck. He he hit the net. Yeah. Hit so the why puck. is Oscar Steen credited for the goal? Back, you see, he definitely made contact with the puck. The overhead shows that he definitely made contact with the puck when the puck is when the puck is sitting on the net. But here's he the thing: I would want that to count for my team if, if yeah, that's same. What the rule says so. That's I'm not going to be mad at that goal. It is what me it is. either. I, I had no issue with it and bad luck, but. Um, the, it's the three goals. It's the first goal, uh, and then it's the 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 fourth goal um, from behind the net yeah. by Frederick, mm-hmm. and then it's that fifth goal. When, oh, the Brandon Carlo goal, yeah. Yeah, like there, listen, there was only like 40, 40 seconds left or whatever it was, but when a guy's just throwing the puck at the net to waste time. You can't let that in if you're the goalie. I understand you're focusing on getting back to the bench and getting the sixth man out, but you had to stop the puck, first and foremost. And that, that goal was just, like, it was soft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just was. I know we don't like to, like, I know us people who cover the team, we don't like to use those kinds of words. And I'm not saying he's soft, but the goal was soft. It was a soft goal. No, and Brandon Carlo knows that. His reaction told it all. He went like that after the goal. It's just like every time Carlo scores a goal, it's like one of those kinds of goals. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm on the Chicago podcast. I'm seeing the Jordan Shrug, so that, I guess there you go. <laughs> That's um, hilarious. <laughs> I do think that if the puck was stopped, like, still, then they would have blew the whistle. But since it was moving and then they hit it, like, there was it kept moving. I think it was at a standstill. They would have stopped play. Like, the referee just for like a second. They would have stopped the play. I yeah, think. the referee was clearly able to see the puck. That yeah. I have no. Denial. And I've seen plays similar where when it's sitting on top of the net, and the players will try to like get it off the top with without going in the net. They'll try to scrape it off the top, 
which that's a high stick because now your stick is above the cross button, right? Yeah, 100%. So, but I, I thought it was smart by Oscar Steen, who, who is having an incredible call up this fourth time around, I believe, this, this Very season. good. It might be the time where he sticks. Nick, one of the players involved on that play was Dawson Mercer, and he started this season just on an absolute tear. I mean, we're talking about this guy with Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider and like the rookie of the year conversation. Then he sort of fell off a little bit. They broke up that line of Dawson Mercer, Andreas Janssen, and Jesper Bratt after they were just cooking for a while because the team was losing. But now Mercer's really starting to pick it back up again and he's scoring goals and creating chances. And when he's on the ice, it seems like he can make things happen. In your eyes, what have you seen from Dawson Mercer this year? And does he fit the mold of the third-line center behind Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes long-term for you? Listen, Dawson Mercer's a dog. Like, he, he gets dirty areas. He gets to – he's he doesn't quit on plays. He's, he re, he's like – he's basically – you know, that's kind of what Jack Hughes' MO has been uh, in his first three years in the league is that – he gets the areas and he steals the puck and he, you know, they're both not very big, but they, they both just will sneak up on you. They're very smart hockey wise and they get to areas where you don't expect them to. They'll steal the puck from behind. They'll, you know, they'll do things like that. Um, obviously Dawson Mercer doesn't have the skill that Jack Hughes does, but he does it with tenacity and hard work and effort. Like he has effort for days, but I don't think he's a long-term center. He reminds me of Adam Henrique. And I remember when we were watching Adam Henrique that first year when he was with Kovalchuk and, and Parisi, he definitely held his own, obviously. Like, we saw the performance he put at the 2012 playoffs. But you see it long-term and you're like, I, where does he go? Do, do you, you know, do you waste somebody with the skill, tenacity, and and the effort level of Mercer on a 12 to 13 minute line long-term, like how do you, you know, and then how do you pay him? I know I'm, I'm going way ahead. He still has two, two years left in this entry level contract, but how do you pay him? You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, absolutely. You can't pay. He sure seven and a half. He's eight. And then what if Mercer earns something like that? Like if he only earns like a $5 million a year contract, great. Then you could pay him. But if he's also in the seven to eight stratosphere, then you need him to play in the top six. I think he's eventually going to move to right wing. Um, and then you're going to put him – and then maybe you can do what you're doing with Sharon Govich right now where you have Mercer take face-offs for Hughes um, because Hughes is still just atrocious in the face-off circle. Um, and, and that kind of like also saves your identity where you, know, you can have Hughes – you'll never have him lose confidence – by losing in the face-off circle. You'll never have him lose as much possession as he is when he's in the face-off circle. So, you know, it's a double whammy of positivity there. And I think that, you know, Mercer did go through a slump, and I think it was definitely a mistake by Lindy to ever break up that line. I understand, you know, I always bring this up. I don't know why this sticks out in my head, but it reminds me of when Travis Ajak and Yamer Yager were together. They were the only line doing anything for the Devils for, like, half the year and everybody's like you got to split them up because you need them both to lift up other lines and then when they split them up they both you know all of the production went down that will end up missing the playoffs and it was a it was a bad decision um after seeing that i think that you take chemistry when it comes 
same thing with like the the Hughes and Sharon Govich and Quoken in line. Like there was just this weird chemistry, and you don't have anything better, so you might as well just keep them going. Um, you know, Johnson, Andreas Johnson, apparently is he's just not he's not getting the chances like he did, and he's not finishing at all like he did earlier in the season, and that's really brought down Mercer's production. That's why a lot of his production now is goal scoring because Mercer's got to do a lot of it by himself. And I just think that he, that's what you get from a third line. You're eventually going to run out of wingers. You know what I mean? So I, you're never going to run three first lines. I mean, that's ideal, I guess, but it's just never going to happen. And I think the Devils are in a position where they have to figure out what the long-term position is with Mercer. Um, you know, he's right now he's out of the rookie of the year conversation just because Lucas Raymond and, and Trevor Egress are having such phenomenal seasons and Mort Sider is, you know, he's having a great season as well. So he really needs you know, he he'd have to go on a point and a half per game tear for the rest of the season to get back into the um into the Calder trophy race. But, you know, don't focus on that now. Focus on having a phenomenal rookie season. Focus on really showing what you can do for the future. You know, they, they have Holtz back in the lineup, that, you know, now. Um, unfortunately, he's on the fourth line, which is exactly where he shouldn't be. Um, but you're kind of getting at least a glimpse of what you can do with this lineup. Speaking of Holtz, I, I do want to bring up, this is a point that isn't brought up. Uh, but the, Holtz was standing in front of the net at one point, and the puck ran into him, and he didn't even get a shot off. It was like he was surprised that it was there. And the puck just I know like, exactly what you're talking about. Just stick, and you're like, I was like, ah, oh, I think we were tied at the time too. The Devils and Bruins were tied at the time, and I was like, what? And like nobody was talking about it. And I was like, oh, all right, I guess I guess we're just gonna let this go. But, um, you know, I I do need uh, Mercer is like if you if you got the smart play out of Holtz that you get out of Mercer. You know, you'd you'd be seeing a completely different player. It's you just need you need more players to play like Mercer. You want you'd want twelve Mercers on the forward lines because he's just effort, tenacity, smart play, and that's how he gets his goals. Yep, he's diet Zach Parisi. Frank, what do you got? Um, well, I know Nick talked a little bit about Jack Hughes, who's having a great season. You know, he's played seventeen games. He's got seventeen points, so he's point per game guy. Um, and anytime you could be point per game, you really can't complain about that player. Um, but is there anything, Nick, that you would want to see different from Jack Hughes, or do you think he's doing everything right at the moment? I mean, he's definitely not doing everything right. Um, I talked about the faceoffs. He's not good at faceoffs at all. He might be one of the worst in the league at faceoffs. I think he's at – I got to double-check the percentages, but I think he's at like 28%. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> you know, so um, – but overall, like on his 5v5 game – um, mostly I'm okay with it. He still gets knocked off the puck, but I just think that uh, I think he makes up for it with takeaways, and he's opportunistic, and he's found his game. He's I think the first year he tried to play like he did at, at the U.S. national team, and he can't do that, um, which is why you've never seen a player go from the U.S. national development program right to the NHL. So it's never happened because there are kinks in the game that don't happen. He's basically playing high school, playing high school kids, you know, so it wouldn't. And when you play in 
the OHL or the WHL or the, the SHL in Sweden or something like that, you're playing against older kids and sometimes men, you know, so that's, that's the difference there. Um, the, the thing with Jack Hughes is he's learned to overcome that adversity. He's learned to adjust his game. And that's the good thing about that 10 month break. The devils had is that Hughes could focus and see, you know, he'll watch a ton of tape and just see what was happening out there and see what he was doing. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that he's not McDavid. He can't skate through people. Um, he could skate around people and he could do it at an elite level, but he can't, can't skate through people. I want him to be able to do that eventually. I just don't know. I, I don't know what the reality is with that. He's still, you know, on the smaller side of superstar. And, I don't know how that's going to impact his game on the long term, but I am seeing him still get knocked off the pot. And you don't want to see that from a superstar. Yeah, uh, I agree that he does get knocked off the puck, but something I've been impressed with, and granted, I don't watch every Devils game. So when I see Jack Hughes play, like, you know, once every month or so, and it, it, I do see improvement, especially, like you said, a, a year ago, um, his uh the way he comes up with pucks in a puck battle, I, I was impressed multiple times yesterday how he just comes out of these piles with the puck. His stick handling ability is impressive beyond belief. I want to know where you guys kind of have Jack Hughes' ceiling in terms of maybe a comparable in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, his ceiling is a number one center, the top 10 center. You know, I, I think his ceiling is super, superstar, build your team around the guy. Um, you know, there's a reason why he got a Gatorade sponsorship the second he came into the league, even though he's a Devils player. You know, there's a reason why people are all about this guy. He's the, you know, Captain America. He's, you know, he... He's got personality, too, which is yeah. rare for hockey. He's, like, kind, kind of like a arrogant little kid. Like, just one of those kids that, like, when you played street hockey with him, you knew he'd go try hard. And mm-hmm. you'd want to punch him in the face. A similar personality of like uh, Trevor Zegras over yes. there. Yes, like very they similar. Were te- they were teammates with Nick. Yeah. Brought up the development program. They were yeah. teammates. I think yeah. the development so. program had a certain swagger. Yeah, they did. They you know, did. You know, I, I think you're going to see it. Was Spencer Knight with them too? Yep. And we're going to see Boldy. We're going to talk about it in period two. Yeah. We're going to see Boldy play for the Wild tomorrow against for the Bruins. That well, I mean, that team was just so fun. Yeah, and I think that they had a certain swagger. That, Caulfield. Um, yeah, and you see the same thing with Caulfield. Like Caulfield's been knocked down to earth this year, um, and a lot of them kind of needed that. You know, they they when you just have oodles and oodles of success, and it just comes so easy to you when it comes hard, you got to reevaluate. And I think that's what he did. And you know, the, like you said, like you're impressed with him winning puck battles. You're impressed with him coming up with a puck. You know, he's he's one of the best takeaway guys in the league already. He's he. I think he just turned twenty. Uh, and to be that elite at stealing the puck in your third year in the league, when you just stop being a teenager, you know, the devils are looking at a guy who's going to just make play after play, after play, after play. And, you know, I know I was a little negative about it before, but you know, you asked me what the, if I was all in on everything he was doing and I'm not, but I think that how, he's, he's doing this much good with this much where I'm like, you know, needs improvement. Um, and, and he's the number one center. You know, I love Nico. I love Nico. He I think that he's, you know, he's the right captain, but Nico, he is the second line center on this team. So like, don't get it twisted. Jack Hughes is leading a line that, you know, it, 
for what he doesn't do in, in, in natural defensive stats, he makes up for in turnovers. It's like, it's like a ball hawking defense in football. Like they might allow a lot of yards, but it takes one play for it to go the other way. So I think that's, that perfectly analyzes Jack Hughes. When Joey asked this question, Braden Point came in my head in terms of like the type of player, kind of like a smaller center that is elite offensively. Obviously, hockey comes to mind, uh, Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, but like Johnny Goudreau is not a center, so he drives off and drives offense a little bit differently. And I think Jack could score more goals than hockey has in his career. But I don't know. I agree with Nick. I think with the Nico um, Jack one-two punch, you'll call Jack your one-line center because his offense is that good compared to Nico. Nico's on pace for like sixty-something points right now, mm-hmm. and Jack Jack is on pace. He would be on pace for eighty-two if he didn't have his injury right now he's on pace for upper 60s where nico's more like lower 60s and i kind of think that's nico's ceiling offensively i get like i I don't want to say barkov for nico but because barkov is just way better offensively but you know i think of like ryan Ryan nugent hopkins or or, look at the early early careers of uh the one-two punch of patrice bergeron and david krejci even david krejci being comparable to jack hughes and bergeron being nico he's and that's that's a great mesh to have and i think i think jack will be slightly better than krejci was and i don't think nico can reach bergeron so it's like kind of even one way or the other yeah uh frank do you have anything left for nick before we let him get on out of here we've kept them for way too long well i just want to know like if for some magical reason you know the devils have 48 games left right if what would it take for the devils to turn it around and make the postseason or do you just think there's no hope at all god (laughs) (laughs) the devil's asking for god the irony it's like that episode of seinfeld where the uh Putty goes up to the priest and he's like, We're the devils. Yeah. Listen, we're the devils have have pissed off some Greek god that's hurting them this year. It's it's I I'm not I don't think that they're going to be this bad for the rest of the season, but when the Bruins are where they are, the Bruins are gonna take a spot in the playoffs, and the Penguins are too far away in that second wild card spot. So I just don't think it's just the the East is too good this year. You know, the, the top of the East goes all the way down to eight. So you're out of spots. The Rangers are in the playoff spot that the Devils could have taken, and they're not giving it up. Oh, yeah, I mean, the Rangers have – they've just – they've produced too many points. Yep, exactly. And, and they could play 500 hockey for the rest of the year, and they would – Still make the playoffs. Yes, and that, that's that's where I'm going with it, though. But like going into the season, you knew Washington would be in. You knew Carolina would be in the mix. Boston, Florida, Tampa Bay. Um, I'm missing one big one. Oh, Pitts, Pittsburgh. Uh, Toronto. Oh, Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, exactly. So then that leaves that one last spot, and you knew it could be Philly, New Jersey, the Rangers. Um, I, I kind of thought the Red Wings would be in the mix. They're a little bit better than even I thought. But like, and then the Devils, and that that spot is already taken by the Rangers. So yeah, I mean, it is what it is. The spot is gone, and um, you know, it's 
There's, but there's nothing you can do about it now. The Devils just have to salvage what they can of the season. And I don't know. Did you bring up the Islanders? Because the Islanders were another team that I thought was going to be in the mix there. Yeah, they they fell off hard. Pittsburgh is a little better than I thought they'd be. Yeah. But in my opinion, Sullivan's the best coach in the NHL. We've had that argument on this show for a long time. I, I you know, even though the Islanders are having their season, I still think it's trots. The season's just impossibly bad for them. Um, and, and when you look at the Devils have played 34 games already, which is three more than Columbus, three more than Pittsburgh, three more than Carolina. You know, there's they've actually played six games more than the Islanders. So at the end of this, you know, once the Islanders catch up, the Devils might be in last place in the Metropolitan Division. I, I just don't think – I don't think that they're coming back from this. Like, they're, it's, it's too far gone. This isn't the Blues like that year. So here's the thing that we don't talk about when the Blues um, were in last place is that there was an, a whole ton of overtime losses that year and shootout losses and extra points. So being in last place, they weren't like that far. I think they were like six points out of the playoffs. Like everybody was pretty close that year. Um, so they were they were in last place. They were in last place, and all credit to them to go on the run that they did. But they also, they also added a Vesna Trophy caliber goalie in January. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they they're not. They weren't. You know, the Devils are currently ten points out of fourth place in the Metro, and they have three games in hand of Pittsburgh. So it's just it's too far gone. Yes, I agree. Joe, one last thing for Nick, or are you good? Uh, I wish I, I want to say I'd hope to see the Devils in the playoffs, but I agree because I, I do want to see. I'm, I'm waiting for that playoff series where Vinny and I go at it, but it's like we're going to have to keep waiting. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet, and I, I worry you're going to disagree with this, Joe. I worry that by the time the Devils get there, the Bruins won't, similar it, to what we dealt with in baseball. Like, I really wanted the White Sox and Cubs to have a chance to play each other in the World Series. And by the time the White Sox got good, the Cubs stunk. And now it kind of looks like by the time the Cubs are good again, the White Sox will be stinky again. So, like, it just really kind of sucks. I really hope that doesn't happen with our Bruins-Devils playoff. Yeah. One day we'll see it. One day. Yeah, we'll see. Um, That was a good game last night, though, I will say. There's one more. March 31st, I believe it is, in Boston. Oh, okay. Maybe we'll have Nick back on for that game then. It'll be 6-5 and again because the refs will be on your side. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I saw that a lot on Twitter last night. Joe, do you have a rebuttal for that? What's going on with the the refs in Boston? Because it seems like Boston deals with that in every sport. Do all the Patriots! They always have the refs on their side. It has nothing to do with Tom Brady. First of all, the Patriots are from Foxborough, not Boston. Yeah, but they're Boston's team and everything. We only hear about it or see it online when it's uh, going against these Boston teams. No one ever sees the games where the refs are bending them over and you know <laughs> ruining the games. So no one ever talks about that. I've seen that plenty this year. So all right, well, works both ways. Absolutely, Nick. Thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I love everything you do for me, and you've been a big help throughout you know the last couple of years for me. So thank you so much for coming on, and we'll have you back on soon. One thing before I leave, I noticed that uh, I added the dash between my name and my uh, Twitter account. I, I guess I just had to be a little different from y'all. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, no, definitely go to pucksandpitchworks.com. Check out check out all of our articles. Check out Vinny's stuff. Um, I'll ha- you know I'm gonna have more stuff uh, going on tomorrow morning. Check out the Let's Go Devils podcast. We go live tonight at uh, eight thirty. We got a good guest. 
an expert on goalies is coming on tonight. So check that out. But uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. And with that, everyone, we would like to send you over to period number two. Whoa. And welcome <laughs> back to period number two. When I, I noticed halfway through the Nick interview that I never I mean, sent it over to period number I, one. I noticed the same thing, yeah. But, and I was I noticed it like early, like right when we started talking, and I wasn't gonna like say anything or no, like, you're not gonna cut off Nick just to yeah. throw it over to period number one. Yeah. But that was period number one. You knew it. If yeah. you're a fan of the show for a long enough time, you got it down. But Frank, since you're just the most talkative person of all time. We're going to go to you here. You're going to lead the conversation and talk to me and Joey about your Chicago Blackhawks. Well, yesterday was a heartbreaker. Um, you know, the Hawks got down early. They were down 2-0 to start the game. Um, and actually, when Colorado's leading after the first period, they were 11-0-0. And I thought yesterday might have been the day that that streak was finally snapped. Um but the one thing that really bugs me, and they just got to stop, is they give up too many goals in the first period. They've given up 38 first-period goals this season, which leads the NHL. And, and I always talk about they either play good at the end or play bad at the beginning or vice versa or whatever. And once again, they can't find ways to play complete games. I mean, if, if they just didn't have that start, they played such a good second and third period. And then – you can't really blame them for how they lost in overtime. That was dirty. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw McCarr do. Um, but, yeah, you see right here, the Brinkett scored two goals in 40 seconds to give the Hawks a lead in the third. I thought this was finally the game that Colorado would lose. I thought the Hawks were going to actually win in overtime, but I had that feeling in the back of my mind that Colorado is going to tie the game because the Hawks don't know how to play complete game. Sure as shit they did, and then McCarr ends it in overtime. Um, I was happy to see Taves get on the score sheet again. Debrinkit gets two. I think that puts him in sixth in scoring in the league, which was really nice. Um, and a lot of the goals that – or at least two of the goals that Colorado scored, you really couldn't blame Flurry, especially the one that tied the game. It was kind of fluky. Um, and, I mean, the, the McCart goal, I mean, that was just dirty. It's hard – how are you going to stop that? So, yeah, I mean, I just – I wish they would be doing a lot better, but breaks my heart. Absolutely. It extends the losing streak to, I believe, three games now. They haven't won five. since come. Oh, is it five? I know they haven't won since coming yeah. back from Christmas. Yeah, they lost so, four in a row, so this was their fifth. It was tough to see them play that well in the second and third and not get the OTGWG. Taves did make a great play in overtime and hit the post right before Makar did this absolute disgusting disgust right here. People were getting so mad at Kirby Doc online. I wrote an article for DeWindyCity.com about how that is not Kirby Doc's fault. There are about four forwards in the National Hockey League who would have been able to really read what Kale McCarr did there the right way. And three of them might play for our three favorite team, Taves, Heeshear, and Bergeron, might really be the only ones who maybe – I'm saying maybe because maybe McCarr even dekes out those three guys and does what he does and beats Marc-Andre Fleury with that sick move. And it's got to be a goal of the year candidate. Joe, I know you have some thoughts. Oh, yeah. that It probably was, and it has nothing to do with the opponent. It probably was my favorite goal just because, like, it had everything. It was the overtime winner. It had the, the deke around Doc, which we've seen – at least I've seen Kale McCarr do this move a bunch. He, he always does that stop on the dime – turn around, pretty much do a 180. He did it. I forget who they were playing. He did it earlier this year. 
and made some news on Twitter. But and then the finish on Mark Andre Fleury, he does he does like three moves before he goes backhand and roofs it. And when you watch it in real time, it's like that puck just moves so fast off his stick right to the top. Uh, I I just wanted to say. I believe that if Kale McCarr was a forward, he would be a 100-point guy, no no problem. I think he would be up there with the NHL top forwards. The fact that he's a defenseman, yeah, he's he's great at it, but I, I think he has that offensive ability to be a 100-point guy in the NHL. So, I mean, credit to the Colorado Avalanche for having him on their back end and being able to produce that way. But, man, I can't, I can't say enough nice things about Kale McCarr. You can't move him to forward because he's too good at quarterback no, power plays. And, and it's probably not what he wants to do. If, if a defenseman likes to be an offensive defenseman, that is a style of, of yes. play that is very needed in today's NHL. And he is, he is probably the best at it. I will go ahead and say, like, I'm, I'm all in on him. He is the best offense defenseman. Ten years ago, you know, you, you thought of offensive defenseman. You thought Chris Letang, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns. This new generation of hockey players, Kale McCarr is leading the way in offensive, offensive defenseman. Yeah, out of those three you named, though, Chris Letang's the best right now, which is honestly the funniest because he was the worst of the three ten years ago. But I am a little wishy-washy on the whole thing because, yes, it was a great play by Kirby Doc. But at the same time, I wanted to see the Hawks reward Taves because it was his best game of the season by far. And the three Americans, Seth Jones, Patrick Kane, and Alex Dabrinkit, all had two points in the game. And – Dabrinkit has – silence me if you've ever heard this before. Dabrinkit has 20 goals in 33 games. He's going to probably score – he might score 50. Yeah, he's – I mean, score. he's, he's right there with Troy Terry, Alexander Ovechkin, and Leon Draisaitl yeah, for like – in scoring right now. The top of the whole league. You're saying he's sixth in all scoring? I think in goals, right? In goals? I would have thought fourth because I, I know Leon, Ovi, and Terry – are the top three? I can have it pretty quickly here. After yeah. after he got his second, I got it right here. He is tied for fourth with yeah. Austin Matthews and Chris Kreider. Oh, okay. Troy Terry had go. a hat. Troy Terry had a hat trick last night, so he's at twenty one. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, the Blackhawks are they're done. I mean, I know I I don't want to like you know we went from talking about how the Devils are done. They need God. Well, the Hawks are getting to that point where they need God too. Like. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think they um, need God and Satan. Yeah, I think they're already at that point. Uh, they, they Devils needed, already have Satan. <laughs> they needed to go on a good stretch. We talked about it, you know, a couple weeks ago before the NHL went on their little Christmas slash COVID pause. Uh, they needed to be on. Um, they needed to go on an amazing ten game stretch, and it has just been brutal, especially out of the gate. They lost six one Nashville. You kind of put that one in the rearview mirror, but then right back again in Calgary or in home against Calgary, and now Colorado game. It's just. Just a heartbreaker. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. And the Western Conference isn't getting any easier to play in. I mean, Vegas is going to add Jack Eichel in no time. I mean, it's just all coming together for them. And we saw two teams in the Western Conference that are very good match up in the Winter Classic. And the St. Louis Blues defeated the Minnesota Wild outside at Target Field, which it kind of sucks for the Wild because they're so injured. Nobody played for them in the Winter Classic. It's almost like they can't cancel it because it's the Winter Classic. They got the ice ready at Target Field. But, like, they're just ravaged by injuries, and that's why they've lost a couple in a row here. And I still think they're the best team in the Central Division, one healthy. And this Kaprizov, oh, my God, is he good. He's just so good. 
But I, I got to ask you guys, did you enjoy the Winter Classic, regardless of who you were rooting for or, you know, just the whole spectacle of the thing? I personally love the Winter Classic. I will watch it every year till I die, no matter what. And I thought both teams looked good and put on a show. And the Wild almost had a little bit of a comeback there in the end, too. So it was a lot of fun for me. The Blues really surprised me, to be honest with you. I didn't think it was going to be easy to go into Target Field and basically dominated the whole game. The Wild really didn't look that good until later on in the game when they started to make that comeback. But the Blues really put on a show. They dominated. It was very cold there. I think it got down to negative six, but it felt like negative 25 at one point, which those are hard conditions to play in. I love Talbot's helmet with the little uh, the bomb toque. on top. Yeah, the little, the little poof, yeah. or whatever you call it. But the Blues really surprised me. I Going into that game, I knew it could go either way. I picked the Wild. I thought the Wild were going to win. I thought the fans at Target Field was going to be too much for the Blues to overcome, but the Blues proved me wrong. Not surprised they won, though. Um, but, yeah, I, I love the Winter Classic, and I look forward to it every year. And I don't think we have uh, teams for next year yet, right? That's not No, even no, and they normally announce it during the Winter Classic. I remember finding out the Wild were going to host the 2020 – or not the Wild, that the Dallas Stars were going to host the Winter Classic at the Cotton Bowl during while we were at Notre Dame in 2019 like it was during I remember walking around this complex like seeing that that's going to be the winter classic next year so it's a little interesting that we don't know who it is yet I'm sure COVID and all that has a lot to do with why they haven't announced where it's going to be yet every state has different regulations you don't know where the world's going to be a year from now but you know Joe I know you enjoyed the winter classic it was the coldest winter classic in NHL history and I want to say it was the fourth coldest sporting event of all time and it was funny cuz when they showed the coldest sporting events in sports history they all had to do with either the Minnesota Vikings before they moved inside or the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field so Joe your thoughts on the winter classic Yeah I got a couple things First, um, I was the only one on this show who said the St. Louis Blues would win, so I just have to you know, remind everyone of that. Uh, the Blues are the real deal. They're really good. I didn't obviously expect Jordan Cairo to you know, set a record for the most points in a, in a uh, Winter Classic game, four points in that game. Um, um, the but, second period. But the Wild actually did make it interesting, like you said. What, what was the score at one point? Did it get up to – it got to like six, five to one or six something two. Like that. It was yeah, six, six two. two. Yeah, ended up being a six four final. You saw that Kevin Fiala, that fake slapper. That, that was a sickle, and that's honestly what I want. I'm not like a huge Blues fan. I'm not a huge Wild fan. I wanted a good game, and that's what I got, especially because I was rooting for the Blues. But um, I also thought everything looked awesome. I always love the Winter Classic. You know, Vinny and I we we watch it every year, um, and I always like when there's an element. Remember at the Big House, there was the blizzard. Some we've seen years past at these outdoor games, there's sunlight that's an issue. Sometimes there's rain even. And this year's element was, like you guys said, the freezing cold. And, and it made a difference. Those pucks were, you know, uh, the hockey pucks are frozen already, but these pucks were rock solid. And, I, and I'm sure it made a, a difference. Even like the player sticks, when a stick is cold, it might not flex as easy. There's so much that went into it science-wise with the, with the cold temperatures. We saw some cracks in the ice. But uh, honestly, they had to what, warm the ice. Yeah, they well, were that, warming that's the ice. They warmed the ice. Exactly. So I love when there's an element that affects these outdoor games like that. And that's what we got this year. And then another thing I want to say, you can go ahead and clown me for this. I said that I hated those jerseys and I hated the uniforms, but they looked beautiful on the ice. And I, and I even said, I remember saying it on the show when they came out. I was talking so much shit about those jerseys. And I said, 
a lot of times when they come out with these jerseys and I see them on the ice, I'll change my opinion on them. I remember saying, it's not going to happen with these jerseys. But here I am, you know, what, five days after the Winter Classic, I'm telling you that I changed my opinion of seeing them in the full uniforms with the tan pants and all that. And the the thing for me was the tan circle on the elbows, like the old sweaters used to have. That was the kicker for me. I loved the way the Winter Classic looked this year. I was very impressed at Target Field. I legit think I'm going to buy one for Christmas, like to wear on Christmas. They yeah. are that cool. I the, love them. I was going to come here and argue that with you, too, if you were going to try and clown me for actually liking them. Saying Minneapolis and St. Paul, too, what team celebrates being from both more than the Wild? Yeah, and if I was a Wild fan, I would have one already. Those hats they wore during, like, the pregame, they were like the like the Eskimo hats. I don't even know what you call them. They had yeah. the big flaps on the side, yeah. and you could flip them up. I love those hats, and if, if my team was in that, I would definitely be having one of those with the scarves and all that, but... Absolutely. I was very impressed. The Winter Classic was big fun. And speaking of the Minnesota Wild, Joe, you're going to actually watch the Wild. I'm going to watch it too probably. They're going to play the Boston Bruins tomorrow. And the Wild have a little bit of a wrinkle to their lineup. They do have a lot of guys out with COVID, and they have some injuries too, and that has led to them. I believe it's part of the reason they lost the Winter Classic. All credit to the Blues. They, they're a good team. They could beat the Wild anytime. I do think the two teams are pretty evenly matched as it was displayed in the Winter Classic. But the Wild's top two prospects are going to be called up for this game against the Bruins, and we leaned into one of them a little bit with Nick because Matthew Boldy played with Jack Hughes at the United States National Development Program. It's one of the greatest U.N. Uh, programs of all time and he played with Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield, Trevor Zegers, Spencer Knight, you know, just the list goes on and on. And then of course, Marco Rossi, who was taken with this, uh, I want to say it was the eighth overall pick in 2020. So both of those guys are going to make their NHL debuts tomorrow against the Bruins. And I'm very excited to see them play for the wild against the Bruins, Joe. You yeah, worry? I, I am. No, I'm not worried. The Bruins are playing the best hockey up to this point in the season right now. They're on their three second. Game win streak. They're on their second three-game win streak streak of the season. But the difference between this one and the one we had a couple or about a month ago is where the goals are coming from. The one a while ago, the three-game win streak. You know, that was Brad Martian was on a tear. Bergeron was scoring every game. Pasta had a couple. If you look at the goal scores that have gotten the Bruins to this three-game win streak. It is all different players. Until Pasta scored yesterday, every goal came from either their bottom six or their bottom four defensemen. And that's something Bruins fans aren't used to. So I'm loving it. Let's hope it continues. Uh, They've switched up the lines since this break. We now see David. There's no more perfection line unless you're playing on the power play. It's now Craig Smith with Bergeron and Martian. And uh, honestly, Eric Haula been centering Taylor Hall and David Pashanak. It's been great. So let's just hope that keeps going. All right, so maybe now you can answer the question that I asked you and not talk about the Bruins. <laughs> the freaking Minnesota Wild called up Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi, their top two prospects. Are you looking forward to seeing them play tomorrow from a non-Bruins point of view? Two yeah. great hockey players. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that they have to make their NHL debut on such circumstances of playing a red-hot Boston Bruins team. What more do you want from me? Frank? Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. I think they're going to add a great aspect to the game. It's going to be a, it's going to be gritty. It's going to be close. I don't think either team's going to win one way or the other in a blowout situation. Um, I expect it to be one goal game for most of the game, and can't wait to see those kids in action. There you go. We talked about them so early in the season, 
and they were my favorite team to talk about. I declared them my pick to win the Stanley Cup early in the season, and I haven't backed off of it for half a second, and that's the Florida Panthers, who are now 27-7-4. and It's one of the best records in the National Hockey League. They are led in scoring by Jonathan Huberdeau. Alexander Barkov has missed a fair amount of time, so he's not even in the top three. They got Aaron Ekblad, Sam Reinhart, just, just a real team that's – Firing on all cylinders. They had to fire Joel Quinville early in the season because of the Kyle Beach um, circumstance with the sexual assault and all that. And, you know, they had to deal with that adversity. And I think they dealt with it very well, the Florida Panthers. And so I would like to get up to your point, your thoughts on this team this season, because for me, They've been everything I thought they'd be and more. The only difference is it's Andrew Burnett coaching them now, former Blackhawk, and not Joel Quinville, former Blackhawk. So it's just been a a good ride for the Panthers so far this season. I'm looking forward to seeing them take that next step in the postseason. But, Frank, what is your little update here on the Panthers? You know, the Panthers, if they've done one thing all season, it's they've proved that it doesn't matter who's coaching behind that bench. They're going to find ways to win on the ice no matter who's there. Um, they surprised me last night. They didn't just beat the Flames. They dismantled the Flames. And they dismantled the Lightning the game before that. Yeah, and if I'm the Lightning, I'm getting worried right now. The Panthers are second in the division right behind the Lightning, but the Panthers aren't going to just let the Lightning take the division title. I mean, this is it's going to be a great battle. You got One. battle of the Florida teams. What was that? One point behind, two games yeah. in hand. Exactly. So I, I, it might be Florida's to take. Um, it's just they're playing great hockey right now. They're firing on all cylinders. Things are clicking. And if, if actually, if I'm any team in the East, I'm a little bit worried right now because they're not going to be an easy team to go through. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say, they're not just beating teams like, you know, teams that they should beat. Coming out of the break, they beat the red-hot New York Rangers who, you know, I last week said we're one of the top five teams in the East, and it's proving to be right. Um, they beat them. The venue said the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then in between the Lightning and Flames game, they beat the Montreal Canadiens, where, okay, yeah, you should have won that game. But to beat the Flames, the Lightning, they've won their past four games, right? Rangers, Lightning, and Flames, and then the Canadiens, to win all those in pretty much decisive fashion. Like, there's no slowing down with this team. Now they're going on the road against Dallas and Carolina. We'll see how they do, but I'm with you guys. They are scary, and as a Bruins fan who – my team is behind them. You know, they're just, their foot is on the gas and that it's catching them is looking very bleak to say the least. I'm convinced we could talk about our favorite hot dog joint. And Joey would be like, well, you know, one time I was watching the Bruins and that's the reason that <laughs> I the, had a Vienna beef hot dog. I had a Vienna yeah. Bruins hot dog and you know, it was really, but I, it always makes sense what I say. Like I'm talking about the Panthers and the Bruins speaking from a team that is lower than them in the standings. Like they are going to be hard to catch. Everything I say makes sense. So, I don't think any GM in the national hockey league, I might text catch some heat for this. I don't think any GM in the National Hockey League would, in 2022, trade Tampa Bay's roster or trade Florida's roster for Tampa Bay's roster. I wouldn't because I believe that there's a certain level of hunger. There's a certain level of we haven't won shit yet. We're not going to coast through the playoffs and see what happens if we win our third cup in a row. It'll be fun. The Panthers want to win the Stanley Cup. That is their goal. They will settle for nothing for less or be deeply disappointed. And I'm looking forward to it. 
I think the Florida Panthers are the best team in the National Hockey League. I'm sticking to my guns, even if they come in second in the division. I don't care. I don't care one bit. I think they can beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup playoffs in a seven-game series. They almost beat them last year. Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup, and the only team that came close to beating them were those Florida Panthers. So, I don't know. Go Panthers. They're my – I'll call them my third team right now because, obviously, it's the Devils. I'll root for the Bruins. I'll obviously root for the Blackhawks, too, so maybe we'll say fourth team. Right now, I want the Panthers to win so bad, and they will be in the playoffs, and they will be a force to be reckoned with. Go Panthers. Well, there you go. I'm not sure I would trade roster for – I'm not sure I would trade roster for roster, but, I mean, it is is a good argument. I don't think – With who? Tampa and uh, Florida. Tampa doesn't have a third line anymore. You just said that you you might catch some flack for saying this, and now you're just saying there's no argument. I'm I'm trying to defend you you saying that, but no, I still would take Tampa's roster over them. Even okay, no, you're right. I am going to take some flack from that, but that doesn't mean I'm going to take it from you. I'm agreeing with you that there's an argument to be made, you clown. <laughs> well, guys, five minutes for fighting. We have not gotten that in a really long time. Because you make those 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 angry eyebrows whenever I say something intelligent, as if I'm saying something stupid. Yeah, there they are. And we'll see how the Panthers play in the postseason too. You know, Tampa's like a postseason team, so anything could happen if they meet in the playoffs. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the Lightning took them down. Frank, you nailed the one thing I'm worried about. There's no doubt about it. It's like it's like before the Blackhawks got over the Red Wings, they used to say the same thing. Would you trade Chicago's roster with Detroit's? Some people would say yes. Some people would say no. You wouldn't be an idiot for either way because Detroit did. They won the Stanley Cup in 09, and they made a couple deep runs in 10, 11, 12 with Datsuk and Zetterberg, but they were like on the higher 20s, lower 30s side, kind of where the Lightning are right now. And then there's Florida with Barkov and Huberdeau just really starting to get into their prime Taves and Kane. Like it's, it's a very similar comparison. There are people who in 07 would have said you're crazy for wanting Chicago's roster over Detroit's. And then it ended up kind of being like, okay, well, there was really no right or wrong answer in the present, but in the long term, it was Florida's, or it was the Blackhawks. So that's kind of where I, I was going to say with that. But Joe, what were you going to say? Um, about how because you were talking to Frankie, was talking about how the Lightning and Panthers in the playoffs. I think the Panthers actually match up very well. Yeah, the Lightning have won and been on the better end of that, but I don't think anyone plays the Lightning as good as the Florida Panthers. Yeah, I, I do agree. I will say this, though. The Panthers are my pick to win the Cup, and I think they have the best roster in the NHL right now. It's predicated on their goaltending being awesome, but that goes for every team in the league. I don't care what anybody says. If you're an elite team with a bat, look at Colorado. Darcy Kemper's good, but he's not great or hasn't been great. And, you know, Grubauer was better for them, and they're not the top team in the in the division right now or the conference like we thought they'd be. If Kemper gets back to Arizona Coyotes, Kemper – then yeah, they could be, but that applies to every team in the league. I will say this, though. If Tampa Bay beats Florida, I won't come on this show and be surprised. I'll let you guys make fun of me and call me stupid. That's fine. But if Florida loses to Washington, New York, Carolina, then I'll be, like, upset. Then I'll yeah, come, that, on, that, then I'll, then I'll come on this show. Then I'll come on this show and, like, really kind of, like, just expect you to destroy me. Because, like, 
I deserve it in that case. But there are a couple teams where if they lose to, I won't be too surprised. I think Tampa's one of them. You the guys Bruins are going to laugh at me for this. I'm going to say Toronto is one of them. And I do think the Bruins are one of them because they have Bergeron, Marsh, and I think Rask will come back. And, yeah, I think the Leafs are one of those teams too where if they beat the Panthers, I wouldn't be all that surprised either just because they do have a similar level of talent that the Panthers have. But – you, and you said you, you've claimed them, what, as your third team this year? Here's one of the teams that I've kind of claimed as my third team is the, those Anaheim Ducks. And I know you don't have them written down, but I just want to talk about how I'm not out on them yet. They they haven't had the return from the break as they liked. But let's look at the teams that they played. They had to play those red-hot Vancouver Canucks, who finally did lose, by the way, under Bruce Boudreaux. But that game back was his ninth victory in a row, I believe. And then they had to play the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Colorado Avalanche, who were, who were starting to find their game, as we saw yesterday. They got back on the winning column against Philadelphia yesterday. So I believe the Anaheim Ducks, nothing to be worried about there. But yeah, I'm all in on them still in the Pacific Division. The Ducks are elite. I and think the Oilers are frauds. Troy Terry, Sonny Milano, Trevor Zegris, the goalie Gibson. I mean, they're just awesome. The Ducks are awesome. And they have like a top five farm system. They're not even done yet. There, that's a team whose organization I would probably trade pound for pound with Florida right now. So we'll see what happens in the future. I don't necessarily think it's this year. I do kind of think they're going to get bounced in either the first or second round this year because looking at the possible matchups, Calgary, I could see Calgary making it harder on them than you think. They might not be as sexy as Anaheim or as fun, but Calgary's a very good team with good goaltending that could steal a series. I believe they could be Anaheim. I'm not saying Anaheim can't win that series. I just would be weary of Calgary. I'd absolutely be wary of Vegas. If they somehow match up with Edmonton, you call them frauds. But McDavid and Drysdale have proven time and time again that as fraudulent as the Edmonton Oilers can be, they can win games for you. They can win games. They still yeah. also can get swept in the playoffs easily, those two guys. <laughs> absolutely. They did last um, year to an inferior team. But Frank, yeah. Go ahead. No, I agree with that. The Ducks, I don't, I'm not seeing a parade in Anaheim You know, this summer. But I think this is going to be great for Troy Terry, Sonny Milano, Trevor Zegers to go and experience the playoffs with a guy like Ryan Getzlaff in the locker room with them, you know, kind of guiding them through. I think that's great for young players. And that Anaheim Ducks team within the next three years will be playing in that parade. All right. Wow. That is kind of a bold prediction. But, Frank, you got any thoughts on the Ducks? Um, they're good. Uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't. We didn't write down about the Ducks ranting no, no, fan no, mail no, with the, that. But the, the Ducks are good. They're fun to watch. Um, yesterday's game was exciting. I thought they played a really good game. Um, these young guns too. They're they're really exciting to watch, and um, I do think they can make a run for the playoffs. Though I know Joe, you said you don't think they're going to have a a parade. I don't think they're going to win the cup, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won a playoff series. No, not they, at all. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I also wouldn't be surprised if they don't win a playoff series. No, me either. But um, I do think they're one of the best teams in the West right now. Uh, and that's saying a lot because if you would have told me that coming into the season, I, I would have said no. I, they're not one of the best teams in the West. Um, because to be one of the best teams in the West, you got to be pretty freaking good. Um, and that's for the East too. But, yeah, they're they're a great team and they're fun to watch. We brought up the Edmonton Oilers, who are in the second wildcard spot of the Western Conference, and directly below them by one point are the Winnipeg Jets, Los Angeles Kings, 
three points behind are the San Jose Sharks, Vancouver Canucks, and then the Dallas Stars, Chicago Blackhawks, Kraken, and Coyotes are all dead in my opinion. But are any teams below the Edmonton Oilers better on paper, in your opinion, than the Edmonton Oilers? And does that mean you think they will not make the playoffs, Frank? Um, I don't know about the whole not making the playoffs. I do think there's one team that I would just put a hair better for specific reasons, and I'll get into that. I have the Winnipeg Jets um, being better than them just because for a couple reasons. First off, if they played each other in a seven-game series in the playoffs, I will be I'm on Edmund, or I'm on Winnipeg all day. Like I will have give me Winnipeg all day. There's I don't see the Oilers beating Winnipeg in a seven game series. Plus, reason number two is Oilers struggle time and time and time again on the road. I mean, I think their last few games they've lost on the road. I mean, they can't win a game on the road, and that's not going to bode well in the playoffs, especially if you don't have home ice advantage. So I think they're going to struggle in the playoffs. And the third reason is they're not or at least they haven't shown it yet, they're not a playoff team. The Chicago Blackhawks beat them in a five-game play-in series that the Hawks shouldn't even, even won a game in. So I, I just I would take the Jets over them. The Jets seem to be playing well. I like the way they played last night, and they got a lot of skill on that team. Vin, to actually answer your question, I know I, I kind of go off the rails, but I'll actually answer your question this time. A team Joey's better. like, I think the Bruins would smoke them both. <laughs> yeah. The Bruins are better on paper. Let's just get that up. No, a team that is better on paper, Frank, you nailed it. The Winnipeg Jets are better on paper, but I, I'm not going to talk too much about them because you just everything you said is 100% true. I would take the Winnipeg Jets. I think they're better in every way than the Edmonton Oilers, aside from their top two guys. <laughs> but another team that I'm taking over them, not necessarily better on paper than the Edmonton Oilers, but under Bruce, there it is. I am not giving up on the Vancouver Canucks. They are 8-1 and one under Bruce uh, Boudreaux, and that one loss is to the Los Angeles Kings, a team, yeah, you should have beat, but those Ws, let's look at those Ws, some impressive Why teams Why should in they there. have beat them? I think the, the Vancouver Canucks are better than the Los Angeles Kings, and when you're on a seven, eight-game win streak, yeah, you should probably win that game. That's That shouldn't be the team that ends your eight-game win streak, is what I'm saying. Um but yeah, I'm not out on the Vancouver Canucks. I think they. Uh, I ultimately think it'll be a battle between them and the Jets to get into that final spot because I don't see any of the top teams in the divisions coming out now. I think Calgary, um, Anaheim, and Vegas are in the Pacific. Nashville, uh, whoever else is up there, and then those wild, yeah, the Blues, and then those wild card teams. I think it's ultimately going to come down to that last wild card spot with the Edmonton Oilers falling out. So those two teams are going to be battling. Uh, Till the end. I mean, there's a lot of season left, but as of now. Not only do I think the Winnipeg Jets are better than the Edmonton Oilers, I think they're significantly better than the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Tyson Berry, Puyarvi's having an outstanding season. I don't love their goaltending. And unless they trade for Marc-Andre Fleury or Georgiev from the Rangers, which I think eventually he will be moved, Maybe not this year, but he's not going to be with the Rangers as their backup long term. Um, there are plenty of other goalies out there. I uh, one <laughs> Linus Allmark. <laughs> Linus to turn everything into Bruins content. Linus Allmark, absolutely. I think it's certainly possible. So until Edmonton addresses their goaltending, I'm not confident in them long term. I watched the Devils just absolutely manhandle them. McDavid had his three points. Drysital, they all did their thing, and the Devils still won in overtime. And Mike Smith gave up a couple softies. Of course, 
Jack Hughes helps create softies because he's so good. But I don't know. I think the Edmonton Oilers, they're trash right now. And I was all in on them when they had their 9-1-0 start and they were the best team in the Pacific Division by far. But the only way I could see both Edmonton and Winnipeg making it is if the answer to my next question goes a certain way. Do you buy or sell the Nashville Predators? They currently lead the Central Division in games played, but they also lead in points with a 21-11-2 record. Frank, the floor is yours. Um, I think the only answer right now would be to buy, just because I don't think they're going to win the Cup, but in their minds they believe that they could win the Cup. And they're currently second in the central division. So what if you buy that you're you're really not gonna hurt the team right now? It can only make you better. If you buy and you make you worse, then something went wrong there. Um, they've won nine of their last eleven games. They're playing incredible right now. And within those nine games, they've beaten the likes of Vegas, Colorado, the Rangers. They're not mopping up on the bottom feeding teams. So they're winning key games. They're on a hell of a run right now. I think if you buy, it can't really hurt you in the long run, unless you, you, I mean, you could mess it up, but I don't think they would. Um, so yeah, I think they should buy if they sell, I don't know why they're selling and getting, giving up a playoff run because I do think their team is talented enough to make a run, but this isn't the year for the Nashville Predators to win the cup. Sure. Joe, do you buy or sell the Nashville Predators? Yeah, I'm with Frankie. I'm buying. Um, but I guess the counter argument, they are really, really hot right now. They are playing incredible hockey. Frankie said they're, they're beating some great teams. Um, but I, I think there's four – no, there's three teams that are below them in their division that I do think are better than them. I think the Wild are better. I think the Blues are better. And I think the Colorado Avalanche are better. But you can't really argue with, with what's in front of us, and that's how the Nashville Predators have been playing. So, yeah, I'm going to have to say bye, but I, I don't think they're the, the best team in their division by far, no. Out of those four, they have the lowest goal differential. And I'm going to – I want to sell and say they're going to fall off. You, Vin, so he, Vin, you and I are on the same page because it's hard to say that when they're leading their division. I you want agree. to say that they are going to fall off a cliff and miss the playoffs. Every entirely. The four central teams, the three central teams I just named below them are all better than the Nashville Predators. All right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll put my name on it. It might not happen. I am leaving room. It might not happen. They're leading their division. As of right now, John Hines would be a candidate for coach of the year in VP's world. They've been so good. Matt Shane, better than I thought so far. Ryan Johansson, better than I thought so far. They have great, UC Soros is one of the best goalies in the national. I've won a lot of fantasy games thanks to that guy, but nobody gives a fuck about my fantasy team. I think the Nashville Predators are going to fall off a cliff. It's going to be like Max Kellerman's Tom Brady style, but unlike him, I don't think I'm going to be wrong. The Colorado Avalanche are going to win that division. The St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wild are the second and third best team. And I think both Edmonton and Winnipeg make it in the end because Nashville is not going to stay this hot. I don't love their roster. I just I don't see it down the stretch for the season. If they fall off and miss the playoffs, I'm going to feel – even if they make the playoffs, but like they kind of just get in like last year and then get smoked in the first round, I'll still kind of feel somewhat validity to this. But – it's hard to say when they are leading their division. I, I just don't trust them. That's why I picked them out of every team to do buy or sell. We'll see what happens. Roman Yossi's probably in the Norris Trophy conversation. 
after looking at all the numbers yesterday, I would say it's him, John Carlson, Victor Hedman, Adam or uh, uh, Fox, I uh, McAvoy. There are so many guys like in the mix, but Nashville, man, I just don't have the faith that I once did in that organization. One so. thing they do have on their side this year, and well, let's hope it sticks, is if they are able to get into the playoffs and with home ice advantage. They make that place very hard to play in the playoffs with fans. So a stadium full of fans at the Bridge. Do they still call it the Bridgestone Arena? Didn't they change it? It's not the Bridgestone. Yeah, they, they changed it, right? They changed I, thought, it. I thought it was still the Bridgestone. No, I think they I changed it. I thought they it. changed it. Yeah. I, think, I think you guys might be thinking anyway, of the Blues. That arena is very hard to play in, especially in the playoffs, So with fans. So that could be on their side. Even if we think the other teams are better, maybe they'll just keep proving us wrong. Thank you, Bennington. May we have another? He shoots. He scores. You suck. Yeah, the, it's like a combination of a Premier League hockey or soccer game and a college football playoff game. It is still the Bridgestone Arena. Yeah, I had right. a feeling you guys were thinking of the Enterprise Arena changing its name. That's what you were thinking of. That's would be nice. my best guess. St. Louis. No, that's not what they called it. What was it and, called? Uh, the- it was the Enterprise Center. And then it changed to something else. Yeah. And Colorado changed it from the Pepsi Center to Ball Arena. Yeah. Absolutely. I thought, I thought it was the, not the uh, Enterprise Center. Frank, when we were in Missouri, it was not the Enterprise Center. Okay. okay. I think it was, Joe. I think it absolutely yeah, was. If you look at a photo that we took outside, I think the Enterprise logo is in there somewhere. I know for a fact. I don't know. That it was the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. And it then they changed the sound, name. It doesn't sound familiar. Like Enterprise, but now that I could picture the Enterprise logo. Enterprise was- Rent-A-Car. Screw you guys. It was the Scotch Trade Center. Let's go. Is it the it's Enterprise right. Center it's now? Down. I think it's the Enterprise. I knew it was not the Enterprise Center. Is it Center. the Enterprise Center now? I don't the know. Scott Trade Center. That's right. What is it called now? I don't care. It's not. Look it Scotch up. Center. Look it up. If it's the Enterprise Center right. right now, then I won't feel dumb. Anyway. It is the Enterprise Center right now. It's the Enterprise Center right now. Okay, so, uh, yeah. Oh, for the love of salmon sandwiches. I hate when we have those arguments and, like, we're kind of right. No, no, you're wrong. I was right. You didn't even think Enterprise had anything to do with it. No, I just remember when I was there seeing not Enterprise. (laughs) I thought I did. I don't know why. And Pittsburgh changed it, too. What was it before? It was the PPG Paints Arena. When we saw it, it was a PPG paint. I believe so. Oh no! And, and it it changed, <laughs> it changed to something else right now. Yes, a hundred percent. These these rinks just keep Dad, changing I'm their hundred percent that it was the PPG Paints Arena when you yeah. guys went. I don't have pictures of it. That was that was so long ago. That was before like Snapchat had it like was memories. PPG paints. Yeah, absolutely. It was the PPG Paints Arena. So that one, I'm not going to argue. Joe. I have written down here, even though you've done nothing but talk about them this entire show, give us a little bit of the breakdown of the Boston Bruins as a whole. Yeah, I, I did talk about them earlier about how, you know, I'll just talk about since they've come back from break. It's been the best stretch that I've watched since uh, since the season started. And that has to do with the fact that they're getting goals from everyone. You know, a lot of guys like uh, Thomas Nosek, Eric Halla, Taylor Hall, David Pasternak is now off the snide. I know it's weird saying David Pasternak being off the snide, but that's that's what it's been. I called him out. What was it last week, Frank? Or two weeks yeah. ago when I said you gotta be better, spaghetti man. And yesterday, you know, he hopefully the fact that we saw that one goal, uh, 
it's going to be more to come. Curtis Lazar, it's been, that was his third goal of the season. Derek Forbert, he hasn't been scoring, but I think he's been awesome defensively. Um, and then there was one other guy, Jake DeBrus, who just entered the COVID list. He made a huge impactful play on, I believe it was in the Buffalo game, on Nick Foligno's goal, first goal as a Boston Bruin. So the fact that all these guys are being impact players on the score sheet, it's really good news for the Boston Bruins. It's for a team that has mainly been getting goals from the same three guys over and over again. So start mixing some depth into this team, and we got dangerous things, not to mention the goaltending. The one-two punch of Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman have literally been going back and forth in game starts. I expect Jeremy Swayman to start tomorrow after Allmark got the win yesterday, and it's just a back-and-forth thing. We'll see how the the contract uh, negotiations go with Tuka Rask and what they're going to end up doing with their goaltender situation, but honestly, just nothing but good things in front of the Boston Bruins right now. I couldn't agree more. Um, I want it on record. If they play the Panthers in the playoffs, I will root for the Bruins. So, Frank? Frank, who are you rooting for in that series? The Bruins. I mean, I, I like the Panthers, but they're... Yeah, same. It's like, yeah, I root for the Bruins. Um, that goal that Pasternak scored yesterday, the game-winning goal, do you know those videos where, like, the video starts playing and then the video stops and it's like, what happens next? And it's like A, B, C. Mm-hmm. So, so I knew the Bruins took the lead, and I was watching. They were showing highlights, the studio update on ESPN Plus when I was watching the Hawks game. And I knew Pasternak was going to score. I'm like, so he took the first shot and, he had, shot, and he ends up following up his goal. If you, that were to be like a what happens next, I wouldn't have thought Pasternak was going to score there. He shot it. I'm like, how's this guy going to score? Even with the follow-up, I don't even know how that went in. He just lasered like, it, shot. yeah. I, he, I scored honestly, the, he scored a very similar goal against the Leafs in the playoffs a couple years ago. Like Watson. Like, almost the exact this. I'm like, all thing. right, how is he going to score? And then he's just out of the clear blue. He just follows up his rebound and top shelves it. And Lucic used to score goals like that all the time, too. Yeah, it was a, it was a goal scorer's goal for sure. He takes it hard to the net, and it yeah. was a great left pad save by Blackwood. And then and then uh, the Selly. If you watch closely the celebration, that he goes to the, the glass and there's just one guy he's just staring at in his face. Like, imagine being that guy. Like, I just had a moment with David Pasternak. It was, he was wearing like a tan sweater, that guy. What a moment for that fan. Absolutely. So, Bruins going well. Happy for him. Can't wait to watch him in the playoffs. I hope, I really want them to win the cup within the next year or two. I mean, it's coming close here, this little window before they have to like maybe do a little bit of a retooling. They got lucky with picks like Pasternak and McAvoy because that extended Bergeron and Marchand's winning window. I do believe that Brandon Carlo turned into one of the best defensive defensemen in the National Hockey League. So, I don't know. Yeah, everyone keeps saying their window's closing. Their window was closing after they lost in 13. Then they won the President's Trophy 14. Yeah, they missed a couple playoffs, but then they're right back in 17, made it to the Cup in 19. I, I honestly think a new window is being opened. Hopefully, because I do believe it's more fun when the Bruins are good. So, you guys want to get into some some fun little tidbits here? Kind of a little off topic just to end the show on a light note since we've been talking hockey for north of an hour, north of an hour 20. Yeah, let's do sure. it. All right, so send it over, Joseph, to period number three. Welcome to period three where we'll talk about whatever we want, basically anything but hockey. 
even though we could always talk hockey too, because the three of us could go on about that dumb sport for days, which really quick, speaking of dumb sports, this has nothing to do with anything I have written down in the third period, but did you see, this is how dumb hockey is in a, in a wonderful, delightful way. The Detroit Red Wings went 100 straight games without scoring a shorthanded goal. And then they scored two in 37 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I saw the two. I saw the two. I didn't know it was that long since they had a shorthanded goal. Which Think I of guess, 100 I mean, games, too, yeah. especially with last year only being 56. And then the year before that, it had to be like early in the season, the right before COVID. So just absolute banana land stuff to go 100 games without scoring one. And then on the 100th game, like a milestone yeah, it's not like 101. It's not 101. It's not 99. It is 100 games. And then they score two. I just, when I saw that, my little hockey heart just melted a little bit. Like, that's the hockey gods smiling on the Detroit Red Wings. They're going to be a wagon in short order. Bless you. Um, they, uh, here's to the next 100. Yeah, I actually didn't sneeze, but here's to the next hundred. They're probably going to score a. Sh- I I would bet my life they score a shorthanded goal within the next week. I you can book it that the Detroit Red Wings will score a third shorthanded goal within the next week. I got a hundred games on it. We'll see. Uh, the next hundred is when they'll score. All right, we'll All right. see. They're on the West Coast swing. They have the entire West Coast swing between the now and our next show. So we'll see. All right. Hundred games is my prediction. Frank, we get a little down and nerdy every now and then. What did you guys think so far, Frank? I don't even know if you watched it yet. I did not get around to it. All right, so no, no spoilers, but yeah, that's a tweak because the book of Boba Fett is—it's better than I thought it was going to be. I was expecting it to be like very Mandalorian, like which it is. It has very similar feels to the Mandalorian in terms of the way the directing is. It's John Favreau who, if you don't know, John Favreau is, he plays Happy in the MCU. He also, like, wrote a good portion of some Star Wars-related content, Marvel-related content. He plays the Doctor and Buddy, uh, the Elf. So, like, he's he's just amazing. He had a lot to do with the creation of Elf. John Favreau is a genius, and the book of Boba Fett is so sweet. Joe, what are your thoughts on the first show? No spoilers. Yeah, um, it definitely is different than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little more like Mandalorian, but no, Mando, you got him going on his own adventures. This book of Boba is kind of explaining how, you know, Boba got to where he's at, which I did not think was going to happen. So without saying too much, uh, how he got to, we saw him in the Mandalorian and where it's going to go and what's he going to do from here now. So I'm looking forward to it. I think this newly revised armor of his that, you know, he cleaned up looks amazing. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even want to spoil the end of Mandalorian, but, you know, we know he's in charge now. So we'll see what happens. I, when I say it's similar to Mando, I don't mean it in any way type like the plot. You're right. It's more about the past feeding into the present, whereas mandalorian is just all in the he's present. on a journey mandalorian is your typical hero's journey like you got a main character it's, yeah it's your like a star anti- wars western you got your antagonist on a journey this this is doing a lot of explaining here and and yeah there's going to be some some journey for boba fett here but nothing like mandalorian absolutely which... when i compare it to mandalorian I, the script style 
is very similar and i think the directing is very similar like the way scenes are constructed and the way the camera angles work and all that it's very mandalorian like in that aspect yeah i actually just rewatched. frank i've watched episode one twice now <laughs> to year zero i, I rewatched it today uh, yeah. just because i want it to be as fresh as possible for when i run episode two probably right after this show. i was gonna say probably <laughs> within a half hour yeah. yeah so i'm looking forward to it but you know if you haven't checked it out make sure you check it out you don't even have to love Star Wars. I mean, it's just a good TV show. It's just a phenomenally gifted TV show. So go check it out if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Frank, we got to settle something here, my man. You guys got to fill me in. You guys got to fill me it's in on what's time. going on. For those who don't know, the college football playoff semifinals took place on Friday, New Year's Eve. And the Michigan Wolverines as predicted by Vincent Parisi on this show, were defeated by the Georgia Bulldogs by a lot. We'll just leave it at that. And then, of course, the Cincinnati Bearcats' incredible, magical season of Group of Five football making it into the college football playoff came to a destructive end to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, I'm sad about it. I was rooting. I wanted Cincinnati to win because I love group of five football. I'm a Northern Illinois Husky season ticket holder. I will always be a fan of the Mac and all the smaller conferences. But from the moment that the football was kicked, it was clear that Alabama was bigger. It was clear that they were stronger and it was clear that they had Nick Saban and they cruised to a huge victory. And the uh, college football national championship will be on Monday between Georgia and Alabama in an SEC title game rematch. Frank, it's all you, my man. All right. So Cincinnati lost 27 to six, which I'm not, that's fine. 21 points. Like a lot of people thought they'd lose by like 40. Like you thought they'd lose by 50 is what you said. Yeah. But I also um, thought Cincinnati would score eight. I, it, but what I got to say is Cincinnati played well defensively, holding Alabama to 27 points. I can't complain about that. And I'm, I'm happy for the Cincinnati team. And I really think, well, now they're some, they're going to lose some of their players, but I was going to say their future is bright. But I think that was a big stepping stone for not only the group of five, but for the school as a whole to say you got into the college football playoff. Um, Michigan, that was, to me, Michigan losing was more embarrassing than Cincinnati losing. They lost by more than Cincinnati lost. And I thought Michigan was a little bit better than that. I thought they'd make it a little bit closer. Um, but yeah, now's the time for Alabama and Georgia. And um, I can't wait this Monday. I literally cannot wait either. The, the SEC is just the king right now. And I'm sorry to say, I know I'm an SEC fanboy outside of my love for the Mac. Um, it just it looks like two different leagues playing against each other, basically because it is. The the Georgia team was just significantly better than Michigan. In the Orange Bowl in 2013, NIU scored 10. In the Orange Bowl in 2021, Michigan scored 11. So NIU and Michigan being parallel in their Orange Bowl, it just goes to show. And NIU played against an ACC team in Florida State. The SEC is just different right now. They're they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, and Alabama versus Georgia should be 
I personally don't think it's going to be, but it should be a phenomenal game. And we'll see what happens. But, you know, Joe, you said you wanted us to fill you in. We filled you in. What do you got to say? Frank, I feel for you. I was really rooting for you, man. I was rooting for you. Um, but, yeah, you guys did a great job on that recap. <laughs> and, of course, on Monday, Frank, Georgia will play Alabama in the national championship. Kirby Smart is winless in his career against his former mentor, Nick Saban. What do you got to say about this prediction? Um, well, if you want to know my prediction, hold on. Oh, here we go. He's got a hat. I think I know where this is going. Out a hat. We're going to agree here, too, I think. If he's if he's pulling out the hat that I think because I don't pretty, think, I, I don't think he has a Jordan. Me hat. either. So I just know either. we got some. Me either. We're gonna have some hefty agreement here. Coming here. Yep, yeah, there it, it is. There it is. Alabama should absolutely steamroll over Georgia. I have not been a Georgia fan all year. I don't know how in the hell they're minus three. Like, come on now. Are you kidding me? They played in the what was it, the conference championship, and Alabama destroyed them. I I think Alabama wins pretty fairly easy. I'm going to give you a score prediction, too, for all of our uh, NCAA football fans. 38-24 Alabama. They win by two touchdowns. That's a prediction. So, I mean, take I an adjusted, anything less. Take an adjusted spread there, a little, a little gambling tidbit from a little, what is this game, on Monday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got almost a week in advance. I mean, I don't even stuff, know why they're dogs. Stuff could change, but I mean, taking them on the alternate spread, if that happens, could could make you a lot of money. This is the last show before the college football national championship, so we could talk about that in breaking bets too, with, as far as the gambling perspective. But Frank, you got Alabama big. Yep, thirty-eight twenty-four. All right, I'm I'm gonna brace myself here. Roll. Alabama is going to win its second straight national championship. Nick Saban is right there, in my opinion, with Bill Belichick for the greatest coach at his sport of all time. Phil Jackson's in the mix. Obviously, Bill Belichick. When I go over to baseball, I really there's really nobody. I mean, Tony LaRussa is the winningest coach of all time of anybody that doesn't have a negative record. He has the second most wins, but the guy he trails has a losing record. So it's like, who's really the greatest coach in baseball of all time? There are plenty of guys in the mix. Nick Saban, he doesn't even, they're not a better team than Georgia. I don't think I don't. There's a region Georgia had the season that they had. There's a reason the bookmakers have Georgia where they have them. They are phenomenal. But there are two places where Alabama has a a significant advantage. Obviously, the coach. Kirby Smart's a good coach, but he came from the Nick Saban coaching tree, and he's winless against Nick Saban in his career. Okay, that's point number one. What is the most important position in all of sports? I truly think in all of sports. Hockey, baseball, football, lacrosse, soccer, any team sport, the most important position to your success, is quarterback. Defenseman in hockey, super important. Pitcher in baseball, super important. Quarterback runs everything. And Alabama has a significant advantage at quarterback. Bryce Young is the Heisman Trophy winner. And 
I don't think Georgia will even stand a chance against the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm rolling maroon and white during, or whatever they say. I don't even know what colors they call themselves. College teams have like these weird names for their colors, but that's what I got. I think Alabama is going to win the game 34 to 14. As much as I want to agree with you guys, I think George is here for a reason. <laughs> Hard to beat a team twice. Hard to beat a team twice. Alabama did beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Uh-huh. I was on my way back from uh, Michigan from the MAC title game when we listened to it. So big game. Yeah. And I have been to the SEC title game. It is my favorite, one of my favorite sporting events I've ever been to. I love SEC football live. I've seen LSU, Georgia, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. I've seen some SEC teams now. And I gotta tell you, it's great football. Frank, we gotta get to an SEC game. You you I gotta cannot. you gotta come on our trip next year. I, I NIU doesn't play anybody that we're like, oh, we have to go see that stadium. Like we we went and saw them play Ohio State. We went and saw them play Michigan this year, Georgia Tech this year. I'm actually gonna propose to the crew that we skip an NIU road trip, watch all the home games at Husky Stadium, don't go see any of the road games because none of the power five games that they have are like these must see games. I think we should go to Georgia and see the Bulldogs play against whoever we want. It could be Florida. I would have to look at the Bulldogs schedule, but I think that's our best bet is to hit Athens and watch Georgia play. But SEC football, man, we're here. It's the national championship. I can't wait to watch it and recap it on this show. I cannot wait to watch the national championship. It's going to be a great game. Um, yeah, this Monday, November or uh, January 10th. Absolutely. Going to be looking forward to it. Going to be watching Maybe we'll watch it together. Uh, I have a couple of things in mind for how I want to handle that day, but it should be a lot of fun. Frank, on Monday, we saw a legend go out in terms of his home schedule. And I know you have some ties to the Pittsburgh Steelers based on your family and all that. So my Cleveland Browns, wildly disappointing season. Hand up. Uh, Baker Mayfield might stink. I don't. We'll see what happens with him. Mike, they, they, he, he stinks. They have a top five roster, and Baker Mayfield brought him down this year. I, I believe that, and they were not a ten win team. But on the other side of that game, was somebody he, he really didn't play well at all. He, he had an average uh, yards per attempt, like three. Like it just wasn't a good game for. But it was like he's a legend. He's one of the most clutch quarterbacks of all time. Frank, I know he's one of your favorite team sport athletes of all time. And, of course, I'm talking about two-time Super Bowl champion, Big Ben Roethlisberger. Frank, what are your overall thoughts on the end of Big Ben Roethlisberger's career? He's got one well, more game this weekend. The, uh, the game was very emotional, knowing it, that it's most likely his last game at Heinz Field. Um, it probably will be. Nothing could take away what Big Ben's done in his career. I mean, towards the end of his career, he hasn't been the Big Ben that everybody knows and loves, but he still goes out there. He's got a ton of heart, and nothing could be taken away for what he's done throughout his entire career. He's a future Hall of Famer by far. I can't wait for him to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, it was just – it was a really emotional game for me because I've grown up watching uh, Big Ben play because my dad's a big Steelers fan. So I, we have a terrible towel. We, we always talk about how much we love Big Ben. Um, 
and seeing one of your favorite athletes of all time going to the end of the career is very sad. I'll be sad when Taves goes and retires and he's at the end of his career. So I'm just grateful that I've gotten to watch him play so much football and got to watch him win a Super Bowl. Um, and the fans and the whole atmosphere last game, it was just so special to watch. And I just hope that everybody, if they show it on TV, will give uh, him a watch in his final game coming up. Yes, and of course, his last game ever will come against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Joe, do you have any lasting memories with Big Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah, he was always like one of those guys, you know, not being necessarily a fan of the Steelers, but just an average football fan, you know, consistent fantasy football player. Like he was always like one of the guys. So it's sad anytime like one of those guys hangs him up, but a great career. And I agree, a Hall of Fame career. So it'll be weird with, uh, with a new guy in that position for this team, but it happens. We saw it. We were starting to see it. Those players that, you know, got us into football in that prime age of, you know, starting to like sports. It's, it's weird seeing some of those guys retire now. And, and this is just another one of them. So it is sad, emotional, but what a great career. What a great career for sure. For a large portion of big Ben Roethlisberger's tenure with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was one of the five best quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the league. And I think when you're consistently one of the five best quarterbacks in the league for that long, I think you do go to the Hall of Fame. Big Ben Roethlisberger will be a Hall of Famer. I mean, when I think of like the great playoff performing quarterbacks in the last 20 years, obviously number one is Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes, I kind of see him in the same vein as Connor McDavid for football. Like, yeah, we we see that an all-time great is in front of us, but you still have that like, okay, you got to go out and do it still. Like you haven't done it yet, even though all signs point to the fact that you will. And Mahomes might win another Super Bowl this year. But, like, Peyton Manning, he wasn't good in the playoffs. Hardly. He won two Super Bowls, and one of them he played, like, complete dog shit, and the defense carried him. And then the other he beat, like, Rex Grossman. So, like, a big Ben Roethlisberger, I'm taking him in the playoffs, almost second to Tom Brady of anybody I've seen, unless I'm – I mean, am I forgetting anybody else crazy over the last couple years? I know, like, the Ravens with you. Joe Flacco, but he wasn't an elite quarterback. Either well, I said Peyton Manning was dog crap in the playoffs for the most part. Like Eli Manning was better in the playoffs, and it was really just like two miracle runs. But like, I don't know. I've always thought of Ben Roethlisberger as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and it's going to be weird to see him go. There, There was a stat that they showed during the Monday Night Football game. I don't remember what it was. If it was like twenty thousand passing yards in a career or something, but whatever stat it was, he was up there with only Tom Brady and Peyton Manning to be the only three quarterbacks in NFL history to achieve that stat. Um, I wish I knew what it was off the top of my head, but that's pretty spectacular to be yeah. in the conversation with both those quarterbacks. Absolutely. And I, when I rip on Peyton Manning in the playoffs, it's it's the playoffs. Like in the regular season, he's right there with Tom for the GOAT. So I, I think Tom has – ascended himself above Peyton Manning, but you know, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, one person I didn't mention that I should have is Drew Brees. Though that's somebody who's in that mix with Ben Roethlisberger for like continuously being in that mix for the best for a long time. So we have week 18 approaching us the final week of the national football league season. And I want to know, we can start with you, Joe, because you haven't talked as much. What are you excited for in this final week here? Yeah. Um, 
I'm excited for uh well first of all the Chiefs uh, I want to talk a little bit about the week 17 Frank I was talking to you about that that Chiefs Bengals game <laughs> great game it was it a had great game it was I, I only caught like you know the the last quarter um but it was an exciting finish the Chiefs ultimately beat themselves and I just want to I'm actually looking forward to and I, I'm hoping that Joe Burrow's okay I haven't really looked into it but I'm looking forward to seeing the Bengals. They, we just, they just won their division. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what they can do. And I honestly am not too high on the Chiefs. They're playing the Broncos in Denver so in Week 18 on Saturday. So we'll see We'll see how that goes. I'm not high on the Chiefs one bit. I'm not. I, I think they are about as fraudulent as they get this year They're coming going into the playoffs. They just had an eight-game winning streak snapped. And I don't think that the, I don't think their defense will, will be – what it needs to be in the playoffs. Their defense has been one of the best in the NFL I'm this season. I'm telling you, they're we not going to go We far. went in thinking they'd be dog meat, and it okay. took people like me in, and Frankie in three five weeks. weeks to find – it took us like five weeks to admit we were wrong, in even though weeks, we were wrong in week one. In three, re- three weeks when we're on this show talking about how the Chiefs are they, – they got bounced and didn't win a playoff game, we'll, we'll pull this clip up because the Chiefs are frauds. So out of your mind. That's what uh, – I'm looking forward to the, the Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to the Patriots ending the season on a high note over in uh, Miami. Um, who the Bears it's play? The Vikings. It's their house of horror, Miami. Who, who the Bears Brady play? Only has a negative record against one team. It's the Dolphins. Do, do we get a starting quarterback yet for the Bears? Uh, I believe in Minnesota? it is going to be Justin Fields, which yeah. is an absolute stupid ass decision. If the it Bears would have won if they played Andy Dalton. No, and Frank, I'll just... let you take it if you want to. If you want to preview that with uh, without Andy Dalton and a little, how did how did Andy our red Dalton rifle is the best quarterback he's, to play for the Bears? He is so exactly it's not even close. Yeah, the red it's rifle, just statistically wrong in every way. Um, that it's the main reason why they won last week. I mean, he just looked stellar. The New yeah. York Football Giants might be the worst team in the NFL. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. choose his opponents. It's... Red rifle played a game. Yeah. You know what? I honestly, I appreciate this bit, and you guys it's have not stuck, a bit. You have, no, it's a bit. No, it's a bit. I texted Joey we, during the game. Like I said, why are they winning? And he goes, "Oh, Andy Dalton must be Red Rifle. Yeah. That's our guy." Nick Nick Foles won a game the week prior. Nick Foles absolutely stinks. So I, I was impressed. I, with, I was impressed with Big Dick Nick. I'm not gonna lie. I'm sure you were, Joe. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure you were, uh, Frank. Before we get to you, I don't want you to steal mine, so I'm gonna say mine first. <laughs> Uh, probably what his stole is. I'm me, so looking forward to Sunday night football. Yeah. Between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders, it's almost like the NFL knew. Like, how do they end up meeting each other in the final week of the season? And for those of you who don't know, they're both nine and seven. Six out of the seven spots. Yeah, did you know this show? In the yeah, AFC. Six out of the seven spots in the AFC postseason are clinched. And then there was one, and it comes down to the charges and the Raiders. They're going to play each other for all the glory. One of them's going to make it to the playoffs and play against the second-seeded team in the first round. It's going to be glorious. I can't wait. I haven't been as excited for a football game. Uh, and I, I would say this is the most excited for an NFL game I've been since Tom Brady played against the Patriots in week four. I'm that excited when it's a, the NFL graced us with another playoff game. That's basically all it is. It's another playoff game. Winner stays, loser moves on. 
That's what we need in sports. That's what we like in sports. It's two teams that come from the same area. Uh, Vegas left Oakland. The Chargers left Los Angeles or uh, San Diego. And now they're just meeting each other for that final playoff spot. It's unbelievable. I cannot wait for this game. Yeah, it's winning your end. And Frank, we've been Derek Carr guys all season, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe. I got it. You knew it was coming. I hope hope the Raiders destroy them. You know, I've been a a big fan of Herbert and the Chargers all year long, so I got to turn my back finally on Derek Carr. Have you looked at the lines? I haven't. The Chargers are favored on the road. Yeah. That actually doesn't surprise me. The yeah, Chargers have the Chargers are a good team who who probably should have a better record than than nine and yeah. seven. Well, yeah, just, just, Justin Herbert is a top five quarterback in the NFL. I yeah. think anybody who argues that now just doesn't pay attention. I think either that finished... or they're in denial. He might be the second best quarterback in the NFL behind Mahomes, or like yeah. you might put Rodgers ahead of him too. Uh, Rodgers probably going to win the MVP because Jonathan Taylor went two straight weeks without a touchdown. So like, and unless people's personal agendas keep them from voting for Aaron Rodgers, then I think uh, he probably wins the MVP. So besides Rodgers and Mahomes, I'm not sure there's anybody I would take over Herbert well, right now. And I'm pretty sure, you know, as fantasy football season just concluded, congrats to anyone who won their leagues. Congrats to um, Laro for winning the Barroom Network League. There you go. Congrats to Laro. Um, I believe Justin Herbert finished second in overall quarterback rating, only behind Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, so. who you can also argue for MVP too, but nobody talks about him for some reason. Yeah. So I uh I think the you, Chargers are the better of the two teams, to be too. honest with you. That that's why I'm not surprised that they're the favorite. But the, what the Raiders have proved this season, because everybody's like, oh, the Raiders suck. The Raiders are terrible. They're frauds. The Raver, Raiders have shown that they win close games and they're winning games that they shouldn't win. A lot of people they're they've had a lot of their what are they, nine and seven? A lot of their nine wins, a lot of people thought they shouldn't have won, but they keep proving them wrong and winning in these one score games. So if the Raiders were to upset the Chargers, I wouldn't be surprised. But I do think the Chargers are the better of the two. So do I. And if you have the better quarterback, you have the distinct advantage, in my opinion, especially if the coaches are about equal. Now, the Vegas Raiders lost their racist asshole coach, um, ESPN guy, John Gruden. And then during that week, they got smoked. They got beat by the Bears. How angry are they that they let that game against the Bears the Chicago Bears. How mad are they that they let that game slip away? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's rough. Um, some of the games I'm excited for too, because I, I don't want to forget to say this um, before you segue. Yeah, um, no. What What are you most excited for in Week 18? Because I was going to steal yours, but I had two. It was the Chargers and Raiders. You're winning it. Winning it. You're in. Um, but the other one is Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Uh, Steelers Ravens. Is there a better game for him to go out on than one his biggest rival in his career than the Steelers in the Baltimore Ravens? Like you can't make this up. You can't write this. And there is one case, one wild case. I don't know if you saw it, where this wouldn't be Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Do you know what it is? If he plays for another team besides the Pittsburgh Steelers next year? No, they could make the playoffs this year. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. And, and it's not – I mean, it's it's tough. There's three things that need to happen, and they're possible. The first thing that needs to happen is that the Chargers and Raiders game can't end in a tie, which I do not think that game is going to end in a tie. So I think you cross that one off the list already. The second thing that needs to happen is that the Steelers need to win, which 
without Lamar Jackson, I don't know if he's coming back. You never know. The Steelers could pull up that upset and win. But the third thing that's really killer, and I don't see happening, the Colts would have to lose against the Jaguars, which that's just brutal. I think they're 15.5-point favorites on the road. But, hey, you never know. If that happens, then we're talking all this being his last game, then it's not his last game and the Steelers are in. And we're talking about the Chargers and Bengals winner getting in, even though it's not like 100%. Yeah, as long as that game doesn't end in a tie, the Steelers win. And if the Jaguars win, the Steelers are in the playoffs. Who makes it if the Jaguars win, the Steelers lose, and the Vegas Raiders and Los Angeles Chargers tie? I have no idea. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I have no idea. I don't, I don't even think anyone even mapped that out. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna assume it's the Chargers because then I think point differential and division record would come into play. It'll be the Steelers' luck that the Jaguars will win, the Steelers will win, and the Chargers game will end up in a tie. That'll just be their luck. You say the Steelers' luck as if they've had the worst luck even though they've been probably the only organizations in the NFL that I think have been better than the Steelers in the last 30 years, maybe even 40, 50 years, because it's not like they were, you know, scrubs before big Ben Roethlisberger showed up either. They're one of the great organizations in football. The only ones that have been more successful in the last 20 to 30 years, though, specifically are the new England Patriots, maybe the Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers are in the mix, and I would say the Baltimore Ravens are in the mix. You can make a small argument for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just because of Super Bowls, but they were trash in between the Super Bowls, so you really can't even say them that much. So I don't know. I, the The Steelers have just been a model franchise in the NFL for a long time. And that's Ter- why I hope Terry they, uh... Bradshaw, those yeah. days. Absolutely. So. And, and that's why I hope that this magical scenario comes true because I would love to see Ben one more playoff run. That'd be incredible. That'd be sick. Yeah, I actually didn't even know there was a scenario for him to yeah. play in the playoffs. So that's pretty pretty. And it's not like that out there. I mean, it is football. Mm. The Jaguars could win. You don't know what yeah. happens. No, but here's the thing, though. I don't think anybody ever said – I don't think anybody notable said that this was Big Ben's last game this weekend. They said it was his last home game. He has played his last game at Heinz Field. If mm-hmm. they make the playoffs, it will be as the yeah. seventh seed, meaning that it is impossible to play a single game at Heinz Field. Mm-hmm. And I know today that a report came out that they have a backup plan for the Super Bowl in case of there is a issue with COVID-19. Where, where I don't even remember where the Super Bowl is. But Dallas, the Cowboys will host the Super Bowl. If, Isn't it Vegas? If, or is um, that – 2023. I don't remember, but I do know that it will be in Dallas if there is an issue with COVID. So that's going to be interesting. Um, I think I I just read, obviously, while I was looking up this thing on the Cowboys hosting the Super Bowl as a backup, I did. I got a notification that the Chargers will get the tiebreaker if they were to tie with the uh, Raiders and the head coach had to dismiss. Okay, so it, oh, it's at SoFi. Okay, it's the home of the Chargers and the Rams. So I think 2023 is uh, Vegas. That okay, that would be sick. Actually, hopefully we could get a bunch of things at that sweet Vegas stadium. But there were some people rumoring that the Chargers could almost like play for a tie 
to guarantee their win. And the Chargers coach came out today and denied all that. So it's yeah, definitely been works. a good NFL season. It's been a good NFL season. I've been very excited to watch it all. So um, any last things before we – Oh, before 2024 we... is Vegas. 2024. Oh, 2024 is Vegas? Okay. Before we get into breaking bets, I wanted to preview something for everyone. Tomorrow on the Crosstown Crosstalk, I am finally back after a two-week little vacation from talking baseball. Now, the league is currently in a lockout, and Robert Murray told me something today that's not great. All I'll say is that don't expect baseball to start on time. I, I would leave it at a 0% chance that spring training starts on time. I'm I'm at that point. I wouldn't be surprised if if you asked me, Vinny, what are you gonna do first in 2022? Swim in Frankie's pool or attend a major league baseball game? My answer is easily, without question. And this is from sources. It's swim in Frankie's pool. Absolutely. So that really sucks. But guess what? I'm here to get you through it, baseball fans. Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow, two guests, very special. The first one, we're going to be talking about them, New York Yankees. I'm going to be talking about Aaron Judge, Mike Stanton, uh, Aaron Boone, all the things going on with the Brock Bombers, Garrett Cole, Kermit the Frog. I cannot wait to talk Yankees baseball because every time the Yankees come up when Joey is a co-host. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds it, miserable. <laughs> it, just, it just turns into shit-talking the New York Yankees. But I, I don't hate the Yankees. I don't love them. Their fans are extra annoying but in terms of baseball the yankees are a prominent franchise in major league baseball and they're fun to talk about in my opinion without joey saying they suck every five seconds so we're going to talk with one of fan side it's great yankee bloggers i'll leave that preview there but the main event you might have saw on jimmy fallon last night the or it was two nights ago actually he pulled a picture up of you know this White Sox fan who has this helmet with these Modelo cans and he's wearing the promotional shirt and Jimmy Fallon imitates him because people tell Jimmy that he kind of looks like this guy. Well, lo and behold, I met online Jake Von Esch, who is the White Sox fan featured in the picture. He gained lots of Twitter followers. I like to think I had a helping hand in that, but that's besides the point. He has decided to come on Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow, and we're going to talk about White Sox baseball. We're going to talk about drinking Modelos at the game. I have to know about the mustache and how long it took him to grow that. And he, apparently he wears this exact outfit to every single game. He is a season ticket holder, so I absolutely cannot wait to talk baseball with this guy tomorrow. It's going to be so much fun, and I'm really looking forward to it, guys. That should be a lot of fun. That should be. I'm definitely going to be tuned into that one. When I found out you were having him on and like he reached out to you or you reached out to him, whatever the story is, I'm sure you guys will get into that on tomorrow's show, but I'm excited to hear that. It's going to be awesome. So good job keeping Crosstown Crosstalk going. I wrote an article about Jimmy Fallon's little bit that he did. And these people in my mentions, in my DMs, telling me who it is, this, 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 this kid, give him credit, do this, reach out to him. It's like his friends. I'm like, this kid has great friends. So I did. And we'll learn a little bit more about his story tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk. Make sure you tune in at 2 p.m. sharp. I cannot wait to see you all. And with that, I'm going to get you into our final segment before we're running a little long here, guys. We're going to get into our little segment. 
Breaking Bets. Welcome to Breaking Bets, featuring Vinny Parisi, Frank Mueller, and Walter White. Boys, take it away. Could you not take the hat off, Jay? Or what was I that? always keep the hat on. It's just more noticeable with this hat. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Way to call me out, Frank. <laughs> you <laughs> always keep you. the hat on? Yeah, I don't know about Sometimes that. there's a good portion of it I do. Mm, you guys just don't pay yeah. attention because it blends in. I, I would have noticed that I feel like. No, I it was, don't it was say the, I would have It was noticed. the gold brim that fucked it up. It was don't the gold brim. No shot. Right, no, if, I, if I can go back and find a, find a clip of me having you might that, have one. Oh, there's a couple. There's you a go, handful. But you said I always win. Most of the time, I keep it on. I feel like I would have called you out for how dumb that looks at least once. Yeah, it's a, no, because you can't tell. The, the angle is coming up at me, so it's easier to see. But most of the time, or before, the angle is more down. I wore that hat the one day you couldn't wear it. Listen, you guys can clown me all you want. Clown these picks and you're not going to make any money because I got I got two picks, but the value, the value is top notch. It's two hockey picks. There's only two games on, so we're just going to parlay action in both games. Frank, I really hope you agree with this because you got that look on your face. I don't know. I don't know if you're touching hockey today, but we got one over under and one money line. Okay, the money line, the St. Louis Blues love the way they're playing. Love the way they played in the Winter Classic. Love their roster. I like everything about them. They're going into Pittsburgh, who also are playing very good hockey, but I love the value there. Plus 112, St. Louis goes into Pittsburgh and wins. I like that. We're going to parlay it with the over in that Edmonton-Toronto game. I know it didn't. I don't think it hit last time, but I just feel like it's been a pretty quiet with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, You know, McDavid the and Matthews are out. Okay, that's fine. No, Matthews that's- is back. I'm pretty right? sure I'm Matthews pretty, playing. He's back. I'm he's pretty back. sure the Leafs he's got back. some big guys going in. Matthews Marner's back. back. Marner's yeah. been back. The Leafs Matt. can score goals, and but the kicker for me is that the Edmonton Oilers can give up goals. They've proven every single game so far. The Edmonton Oilers, right now, the last time they played, it might not and have been the, the case. And they're on the road. <laughs> the, Edmonton, the Edmonton Oilers know how to give up goals better than any team knows how to score them. So that over parlayed with the Blues money line pays out plus two hundred and sixty-five. Go ahead, over double your money, and thank me later. Frank, what do you got for us? Wait, really quick, Frank, before you go. Your war against Edmonton's white jerseys, just be, you despise them on the road. It's almost like you're an Oilers fan when they're at home, and then you're like a Flames fan they that you hate the Oilers. On the road. So they, and it was last year too, wasn't it? I think so. I don't remember. But, yeah, they stink on the road this year. It's unbelievable, dude. They can't pretty, kill penalties on the road. It's It's bad. And now they don't have McDavid, so. But Matthews is back tonight. I can't confirm that. He's on my fantasy team. I had to double check. He said he feels good to play. Uh, he had a negative test, and he's ready to go. Hence why the money line on Toronto is so outrageous, which is one of my picks. Like I segued way into there. They're minus 285 on the money line, which is just insane. Because, like, if you don't know anything about these two teams, but you kind of know hockey, you're like, Toronto's minus 285 against the Oilers. I'll take the Oilers. But I don't think the Oilers have any chance in hell tonight, to be no, honest. I don't either. I actually think you have a safe bet taking the spread on that game, too. And you know how you I might be a... able to. Yeah. Um, I because like I said, they're on the road, they stink on the road, and they're without their best player in Connor McDavid. I just don't see how it's possible that they win. So if anybody's wondering why they're 285, that's why they're so high. Um, 
So yeah, that's one of my picks. Take the money line. Also, this is our last show before um, the national championship. So I want to include Alabama money line at plus 120. I think it's great value. I think they're going to blow the wheels off of Georgia. So I think that's a great pick. Um, I have three NBA picks. And I think that the best way to go about this is to parlay them together. Because as I say every week, teams that play NBA games on a back-to-back, they tend to lose, I'd say, about 90% of their games. So what I got here is the Bucks money line, which is minus 166. I got the Celtics money line, which is minus 325. Um, and I have the Nets money line, who's minus 425. I don't remember who they all play. I just know the Bucks are home and the Celtics are home and the Nets are playing. I believe they're in Indianapolis, but the teams that they're playing all played last night. So I love that. If you parlay it together, it pays out plus plus one fifty nine. Uh, trust me, trust me on this. I strongly believe that all three of those teams are going to win. Um, and then I just want to throw in a college basketball pick two, to end it out. Uh, Iowa state's home tonight. Um, they're 12 and one. On the money line, they're minus 190. I think that's a great pick. I believe they play Texas Tech. It's going to be a great game for fans of college basketball, both ranked teams. Home teams in college basketball tend to win more often than not, so take Iowa State in the money line at minus 190. There you go. Very good picks all around. I have just a couple. I bet your house on Alabama money line. And then – I also like – this is going to sound crazy. I also like the Raiders against the Chargers. I think the Chargers are the better team. But at home, John Madden, all that kind of stuff, I like the Raiders to take out the Los Angeles Chargers. I no longer think that that game – I didn't know that really about the Jags. The Jags could win a football game. The only thing is the Colts are one of the best teams in the NFL in my opinion. And, you know, they finally lost a tough one last week after just a great stretch of football. I legit see them as one of the contenders in the NF- or in the AFC. So it's not likely, but you never know. Weirder things have happened in sports. And they're on the road. So if they were home against the Jaguars, I'd say, yeah, they probably got no shot at losing that game. But on the road, anything could happen. Yeah. Um, it's honestly crazy. So we'll see what happens. I want to send out a quick thank you to Nick Villano for joining the show. He was great. I love talking New Jersey Devils with him. He's been a great mentor to me for a long time. And Frank, Joe, great show as always. It was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to next week's show already, talking about Alabama winning it all and the Devils winning 69 straight games. That's going to be fun. So it was great as always. Make sure you're following at the King Bean on Twitter, at Joey Parisi on Twitter, and at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Look, if you had one month, one spaghetti, this is every month you ever wanted. One spaghetti, did you capture? Just let it slip. Yo, mom spaghetti, mom, mom, mom spaghetti, mom, mom. Mom's spaghetti, mom's 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 spaghetti,